Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are halfway through a trilogy. Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock are R-rated cops, and Danny Boyle tackles the undead. This week on 30 Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a hell of a journey across three decades back in time, uh, letting you know what the world looked like, mostly in terms of pop culture, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. It's a great way to revisit uh, your life <laughs> and how life has moved on, how life has stayed the same. I love doing this show, uh, basically because we have to prep, but like we can't decide what goes where. It's just the nature of the world. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I got the results of my test back. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll never, ever mention it again. Ever. Uh, Drop well, that as a plot. Nope. Well, I'm J.R. Rawls, and no, I cannot tell you. Anyways, how is your sex life? Why Why did I not lead with <laughs> the best movie of the entire list, if you're both going to reference it? Oh, wow, uh, Chris. <laughs> Oh my God! So good. Uh, cannot wait. Oh, oh hi, Jr. Oh hi. Oh hi. Oh, hi. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. Uh, give us five bucks. We'll give you a bunch of extra stuff. Thank you for supporting the show and the whole network. VGA LaserTime and all the bonus shows we've been doing. Again, apologies for the lateness last week. I experienced a massive power outage for days and was unable to post anything. Uh, to the web so that is l hopefully lifted this is my first day of i don't want to jinx it 24 hours worth of power i woke up <laughs> there was power there's power in the afternoon that does not happen since last we recorded chalk that up uh, reason number 493 to not move to florida anywho we'll be discussing <laughs> the weeks patreon.com slash time give us five bucks or less or more we recommend five bucks thank you uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, week of June 23rd through the 29th across three decades, 1993, 2003, and 2013. Uh, I feel like of all the episodes, I hope you're caught up because there's just so much fun stuff uh, that relate to things we just talked about or things that lead to things we'll eventually be talking about. Uh, little tiny pieces in the show we in no way designed to be sequential or dramatic in that way, but it is sometimes. Uh, thank you very much. Hope you like the Jurassic Park episode. I'm still, one of the things I did is I, I just kept going through the Jurassic Parks and had so much more fun <laughs> having revisited the film with a 1993 mindset, like loved them all in ways I never have, <laughs> including the world. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. June 20, 23rd to the 29th, beginning as we always do in 1993, 30 years ago, the first uh, third of our name. The United Nation authorizes a worldwide oil embargo against Haiti. Um, what? I don't understand. I don't remember this well, at all. Well, Haiti is always complicated and there's never any good guys. But mm. what happened was they have had a they finally had a democratically elected president in 1991 and then they cooed him. And now uh, they're killing their own people and being fucking terrible. So we have an arms embargo and an oil embargo. Mm. Everyone gets on board with that. And then guess what happens when you have an embargo, though? Like, the bad guys who are in charge are now in charge of these scarce resources, and mm -hmm. they start profiting. <laughs> Oops! 
Uh, and here we have a soon-to-be famous president talking about the situation. Having a stake in. So if Haiti, a god-awful thing to say, if Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet, it wouldn't matter a whole but lot in terms of our interests. But the world... <laughs> wow! Is that President, oh. president Joe Biden? Yeah. Woo! That's Joe Biden at the time. I listened to the full clip in context, and it doesn't actually make it that hell of a lot better. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Damn it, Joe. Well, at least he's not saying that as president now. And, uh, you know, that's who he's yeah, running against. Yeah, he's senator from Delaware. They got like four guys there. He's related to half of them. <laughs> also, uh, in strikingly prescient news from 30 years ago, the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski strikes twice in two days. A genetic researcher, Charles Epstein, who researches Down syndrome, and Yale computer science professor, David, uh, Dr. David Geller, Gellertner, uh, both lose fingers and hearing, and Gellertner loses sight in one eye. They're his 14th and 15th bombings, and that's something that, like, I had to reconcile that my knowledge of the Unabomber was almost exclusively through SNL. So <laughs> Norm MacDonald was showing pictures and making jokes of the Weird Al looking Unabomber and Will Ferrell was playing a rather, which I think is the Unabomber's only legacy, Will Ferrell playing the Unabomber, a polite, puppy-eyed, very happy to see you guy. Uh, it'd be nice if that were its only legacy. No, there's people who totally agree with him. They're, you know, uh, well, there's um, eco-fascists, there's... Uh, What's it called? Anarcho capitalist something. Blah, blah, no, blah. not anarcho capitalist. Anarcho ecologists, I think they're called. Yeah, people sure. who are like, yeah, let's exactly. We should destroy all of society and just live off the land forever. And as someone who wears glasses, uh-huh. I disagree. Yes, as someone who needs yeah. who needs brain medication. I also disagree. Who's gonna make you're, my? You're meds? always you're always gonna find not so crazy pants out there. But I'm glad for small favors and i really do feel like he lived enough long enough that his death was a nothing burger it was just like no one cared no one really was paying attention to the guy i've read a couple of interviews of like really bad guys when they get caught and their worst days are not actually when they're right caught right away because when they're caught right away they're being interviewed and there's press and it's Mm -hmm. all of that it's a few weeks or you're in a few cases, a few months later, when they're just another general gen pop population guy, when they're just one more cog in the prison machine, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, now I'm a nobody again. And that's how he died, a nobody. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, fuck that guy. Also, blowing up a guy who's like, he, his big thing was like, oh, genetic research, they're going to like destroy humanity. And it's like, dude, that guy was researching Down syndrome. Right. He's not trying to genetically modify human beings into i don't know monster guys or whatever it is you what if you want to live in a shack in the woods that's fine just leave people alone right I thought that's the point of living in a shack in that's the woods is the you don't point, have to deal with people that's the point of living in most of america holy shit is it empty i've traveled across it twice there's plenty of places to go wyoming oregon so many places yeah. where you can be left alone um, Just leave people alone. And uh, also this week in global news, the U.S. launches a cruise missile attack targeting Baghdad intelligence headquarters in retaliation for a thwarted assassination attempt against uh, former President George H.W. Bush in April in Kuwait. I don't, how, how good was this assassination attempt? Like nobody got close. People were murdered uh, in their homes. It, in retrospect, it was a real 
attempt. It just didn't succeed. Mm. Uh, even with 30 years hindsight, it's like, yeah, this was really an attempt by a foreign power to kill an ex-U.S. president. And you can't just let that happen. Mm. You can't. Oh, an ex-U.S. So, president. Like, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. Yep. That's, that's and well, that's still going on in 2003. Part of why we're at war in Iraq in 2003. They tried to kill my daddy. They tried to kill my daddy. It's a great quote from a dumb man. Uh, so and dumb. Celebrity uh, relationship news. Loretta Young, who is not young. She's 80. She marries costume designer Gene <laughs> Lewis, and they stay married until his death four years later. So a long happy Jean marriage Louis, to the end. Please. Jean Gowns Louis. by Jean-Louis. Jean-Louis. <laughs> Ron Burgundy moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jean-Louis. I thought that was very sweet. I had no idea these like two classic Hollywood people hooked up, you know, 60 years after they first became yeah. famous. Because, you know, That's they sweet. were they were circling one another. They probably knew everything about yeah. one another, spending a lot of time with each other and then finally exactly. freed them. Somehow they freed themselves up. Uh, speaking of on the younger side, Julia Roberts oh, marries Lyle this Levitt. Was, this was news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, well, Everyone was... lost their shit. Yes. Julia Roberts. America's sweetheart, Marion Lyle Lovett, a shrunken potato carving. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, Handsome yeah, eraser he... head. <laughs> uh, I, I joke, we have the same hair. So, yeah. but yeah. Craggy McCraggy. But he is craggy. You're not craggy. No, not yet. This one, craggy but motherfucker. One of those people who was born to play the Joker but never got the opportunity. I mean, that <laughs> place nice would have been perfect. And this was, this was all the rage back then. Like, the most beautiful people in the world marrying a really talented musician. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Billy Joel, Christy Brinkley. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't see that. That's not as common nowadays. Uh, except for except for the only outlier, Pete Davidson. I mean, I don't I don't know what that guy's got going on. It can't just be BDE. Uh, moving into moving into movies of 1993. Jurassic Park is still number one, and I am happy about that. Probably seeing it for my second or third time uh, 30 years ago. Love Jurassic Park. And then we have a lot of movies that would I would go on to watch almost as many times. I'm not kidding. It wouldn't be Chelsea Fields, Scott Glenn, and Lou Diamond Phillips in Extreme Justice. This is like the third oh. week in a row with a movie the titled Justice in it. Yeah, I was confused. I thought, wait, is this Steven Seagal? I forgot which one this is. No, Lou Diamond Phillips. He's a cop. And it turns out, did you know that some cops in the LAPD are like a gang and no. they kill people? No. No. Rampart, yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it was before Rampart. We're already oh. like, no. Well, the same But they're Rampart. cops. They're supposed to help people. Yeah, there's that. I got nothing to say about this. And and a movie I watched dozens of times on my bad movie channel Encore, Tommy Lee Jones and Kathleen Turner in House of Cards. Don't care. Why would you watch Because I only had one movie, unedited movie channel, man. And they, you got you to watch what they show you. Every once in uh, a while you get a winner, usually you get House of Cards. I thought it was. I thought we were going to talk about House of Games and I was all happy. And I was like, oh, House of Cards, but no, not that one. No, not that where, one. Where like, her, her kid is traumatized by the death of her father and she keeps building card towers and they have to unlock what is making her so crazy whatever fine grumble grumble next up is the movie if i'm allowed i could spend a majority of the show talking about please don't i won't i won't i beg you uh paul winfield leah thompson christopher lloyd joan plowright mason gamble walter Matthau in dennis the menace in this quiet neighborhood there lives a menace 
nicknamed Dennis. He's warm. Watch out for the kid who's causing all the excitement. <laughs> Dennis the Menace. That's me! Wait, BG starts Friday, June 25th. <laughs> Once they hit the that's me, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Maybe. I watch this again and still don't hate it. Don't hate it at all. It It's, I don't know. It's very weird because it's not set in the, mod, it's set in the modern day, clearly by the cars, but not by anything else. There are no video games. There are no Transformers. The kid, we're introduced to Dennis wearing overalls and nothing else, running with a wagon, which was like kind of my childhood, but still kind of like, that's a little Rockwellian. But I could go on and on. My favorite thing is something I brought up on VGA. There's why do people like Avatar and like you do understand like when I was growing up, they were making a bunch of movies that are like Mission Impossible and Dennis the Menace, and I'm like, I'll see it, but like this is your shit. <laughs> so maybe kids when they see Avatar, are like oh something new, great, I'll go see that. It's not Dennis the Menace the movie, which. You know, the second Doctor Strange sort of is <laughs> in terms of relevance. But Dennis the Menace, I think, uh, based on what I think is hilarious, it's called Dennis in the UK. You know why, Diana, having spent time over there? Because there's a different Dennis the Menace there. They were conceived, published on the same day, the same week, I'll say. <laughs> what? So no one is, is ripping off the other, and they've always stepped around each other in different territories. Like, you take it here. We'll take Dennis the Menace here. We'll be just Dennis here. No one's ever sued anybody. Yeah, but and the the original Dennis the Menace in the American comic strip was a lot more of an active force for malice in the world. He did a <laughs> lot of violence. He got in fights. Uh, but as often happens, you know, you get your flanderization. The more popular he gets, so then he becomes this like mischievous little boy. He got and... highly diluted for the show that came out in the late. Early 60s, 50s. the ones that 50s, I think it was the 60s. It's just black. The show and white. we all were forced to watch on Nick and because of Nickelodeon. Yeah. It reached 100 yeah. episodes and was syndicated forever and popularized Dennis the Menace enough to like. I remember doing a laser timer, an article about like, you know, how long Dennis the Menace was on Blizzard Cups? It was amazing. Like that dude, a 30 year <laughs> yeah. partnership because of how the awareness of the character. I still dig the animated show <laughs> and love the theme song. And again, was shocked during this rabbit hole research. That show's animated style went on till 2001 from like 1986. Dennis the Menace, and surprising longevity in terms of pop culture. I feel like this movie is taking more from the cartoon Dennis than the comic Dennis or the TV Dennis. I really feel like mm. that's what it's trying to capture in this film. And it's I think it's trying to capture Home Alone. There you that's go. What yeah. That's what I was going to get. So I watch this again. It is just cute enough to be a family movie and it's just violent enough to be like why did they do this? Roger Ebert was like I like this movie except for the dirty homeless knife toting Christopher Lloyd switchblade sand <laughs> character which is like completely out of place in a kids movie all he does is kidnap kids and steal toys and threaten murder it, but like it is I'm putting this down as the breaking of John Hughes because John Hughes wrote this movie. John Hughes wrote a ton of movies you associate with him in the 80s that hold up to varying degrees, depending on how white you are, and uh, <laughs> and, and then made Home Alone. Everything he made in the shadow, like in the shadow of Home Alone, Career Opportunities, Dutch, they were all pretty significant failures until Home Alone 2. And 
this succeeds because it is using Home Alone logic, Looney Tunes logic against Walter Math. Poor Walter Matthau, who I know was alive and aware of Dennis the Menace, and I know never pictured himself being Mr. Wilson. I'm sure that was a disappointment when he got that job. But it's perfect casting. It is. I mean, if you're yeah. in 1993, there's not a better Mr. Wilson. He he said mm-hmm. like after this, like that's what kids yelled at him. That's what. The, no longer did they scream the front page or taking a Pelham <laughs> one two three at Walter Matthau. He got he got Mr. Wilson screamed at him, uh, and this got several straight to video sequels because kind of and the kid Mason Gamble very good. For a very young actor, I loved him as Dirk Calloway in Rushmore. Uh, that, that's, think of this mm-hmm. as, a, as a sequel to Rushmore. Take him! Uh, hilarious. And yeah, I forget where I was going with that. But oh, The Breaking of John Hughes. It's clear that John Hughes is a prolific writer and can do scripts in his, in his sleep. And after this, it's pretty much people don't care about the movies he wants to make, but can you whip some Home Alone on this? And then... After Baby's Day Out next year, kind of like, never mind. If I write, I'll do it from home under a pen name, and then a couple of years later, doesn't doesn't do doesn't appear in the spotlight or come to Los Angeles ever again. So I think this is his breaking right now. We don't want what we're, what you're associated with. We want what you did with Home Alone. That's all anybody he, wants from him. He had such a short career of his like golden years. You know the the. Mm-hmm of his that we really really like it's love and true. Adore. i feel like that's a six maybe a seven year time span at most it is it's just that like it depends on where you were then because like i didn't see some kind of wonderful and like 16 candles when i was seven i was watching planes trains and automobiles with my dad and then later i discovered ferris bueller and, and breakfast club which i fucking love might be my favorite movie of his and My daughter actually unsolicited watched Breakfast Club this week, and she thought it held up. I saw it when I, I asked was... her if she'd ever want a podcast with me about it, and she shut that down. <laughs> I saw it for the first time when I was 18, and I watched. I, I took the VHS around and showed it to everybody that week who hadn't seen it. I love The Breakfast Club. But, uh, and, yeah. And, but yeah, I think this is John Hughes. Like, I don't really want to. And he wrote so much that he didn't give a shit about after this but didn't really make anything he did care about afterwards. Just a gun for hire. I want to see if there is a bi- autobiography by the director, Nick Castle, because my God, yeah. his career is bizarre. That's the movie. The director of this movie is Diana. Most famously, Michael Myers, Michael Myers. <laughs> He's the original Michael Myers. <laughs> and and, and the most Escape- recent. <laughs> yeah. And, and he wrote escape from New York. Mm-hmm. And then this, he is the old Michael Why? Myers in the new trilogy too. He, oh my that is God. the back of his head, Nick Castle. Um, the shape, if you were. But yeah, a, su- a semi-bizarre pedigree leading up to Dennis the Menace. And like, yeah. I, I kept reading, like, this movie was a failure. This movie made so much fucking money. This is the opposite of a failure. $30 million budget, $130 million domestically. This is a yeah. massive success. And then, and then on VHS. Yeah. I'm sure this took off on VHS. And video for games. Annoying little children everywhere. And video and games. And I'm sure got played on cable. Yep. And yeah. It has it has it's, two straight to video sequels with none of the same cast. And it's no one cared. Because Of course. Why why would you be? You wouldn't be like, oh, I really need the same actors. No, the draw is the name. Yep. Dennis the Menace, which is weird because the last time I saw it on a comic page, like, how much menace can one get up to in a single panel 
Not much, it turns out. That's the Sunday strip you got to look out for. And then moving on to the biggest show in town, I think. Which they did not know was the biggest show in town yet. Every ad for this, they have no idea what how to sell this movie. Really? Except, yeah, like they, ha- they have to go with the, the critics saying stuff because it's impossible for them to sell this movie in, in 15 seconds. True. And make it sound like, no, really, really, you no, know, in the summertime, you do want to watch this, I promise. And I, I think it's accidental counter-programming to Jurassic Park. Have you seen this three times? Good Lord, can I see a movie about people? Here you go. Sleepless in Seattle is hilarious. Oh, that's what I'm trying to tell you, what women are looking for. Packs in a cute butt. One of the year's best films. Some kid calls a phone-in radio show and says that his dad needs a new wife. <laughs> a 10. It's magic wraps around your heart. I want to meet you. Make it number one on your must-see summer movie list. She could be a crazy, sick lunatic. Didn't you see Fatal Attraction? Sleepless in Seattle. Of course he did. Uh, (laughs) Sleepless in Seattle. um, Jesus Christ, a bombshell of a movie that would go on to make a dickload of money. Yeah, and Nora Ephron now owns everything. Yeah. Because this is only the second movie that she's directed. Obviously, when Harry Met Sally made was fucking great and everybody loved it and made a whole pile of money mm-hmm. and she's got to take a second run at rom-coms again with meg ryan and yeah now meg ryan is super officially the queen of rom-coms and so is nora efron and they can fight with scepters and crowns i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah but, but this uh, is also the second time we're getting tom hanks and meg ryan teamed up together true. You know, they're going to do a trilogy of movies together first joe versus the volcano Second, everyone this. forgets that one. Yeah, second fair. this, and then you've got mail, and yep. I don't think they've been together since you've got mail. No, nope. you could say they're not together in this. They have about two minutes of screen time together. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating that you think of them as like, oh, this wonderful duo. They are never together. That's the whole movie is leading up to them meeting. And that's that's the the praise I'm, I'm happy to give Boy. to this movie. Like when Harry met Sally. It's just funny enough and just real enough, like just has a real approach to it, like how real people talk for the most part. It just doesn't seem cloying, as cloying as most romantic comedies that would come in the shadow of this. Yeah. I I think there's a very telling line in the movie. Uh, Meg Ryan is saying, oh, in the past, people knew how to be in love, time, distance, nothing could separate them because they knew it was right. It was real. It was. And then her friend says, a movie. That's your problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. You yes. don't want to be in love. You want to be in love in a movie. Yes. And this movie is having a conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair because you everything that happens in this movie, when it happens in a movie, it's wonderful. If it happens in real life, you're calling the SWAT team. Yeah. I've, I've always <laughs> wanted them to make like a, I, I guess erotica thriller is the best genre although it's not really that where you take all the tropes of a Mm rom-com but have it happen in real life and have the female protagonist be scared out of her mind about this psycho who's doing all this (laughs) rom-com shit that's something i i I love putting on this movie uh if you don't know the plot essentially tom hanks becomes a viral sensation Mm -hmm. before we had terms for that on the radio he is a widowed father looking for love and becomes a national sensation as a result of that. Right. So, I mean, but they, they sort of act like, Oh, only Meg Ryan really gets him and is really moved by his story. And, and, you know, wants to meet him, wants to write him letters and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, he 
I mean, if his address is out there, fuck. He's getting a whole bunch yeah. of letters. You got people showing up saying, I talked to your dead wife in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, it would be weird. My psychic scary, says we're perfect. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, But because they are in love in a movie. Yeah, okay. And yeah, the, the dialogue is a big part of it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's Nora Ephron, David S. Ward. They know what they're doing. And the dialogue is so much fun just by itself. You know, I, I <laughs> the scene where they're describing what happened in Affair to Remember, which is this is a light remake of. Oh, yeah. Down to the end. And, you know, and they're crying, you know, it's so beautiful. And then, oh, you remember at the end of the Dirty Dozen when Lee Marvin takes the grenades <laughs> and he puts them down to the hole? <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> and they make fun of girls for liking girl stuff because they're girls. I, I can't go. It's not realistic dialogue, but it's heightened realism, but it's not as cutesy and yes. cloying as so many rom-coms where everyone is just so wacky. It's like, no, it, and yet, like people are friends and you understand. Oh, yeah. No, you guys would be friends. That makes sense. I always have a problem with movies that don't feature humans. This has humans. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're going to do things that are a bit unrealistic, but, you know... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger mowing down 20 guys in the jungle is completely... Oh, unrealistic but i'm okay with that because i don't need 100 percent realism in my movies and the same with my romantic comedies i don't need 100 percent realism i just need human beings that i can care for and this delivers that to me yeah and also it looks gorgeous yeah <clears throat> excuse me it looks gorgeous it's cinematographer sven nyquist who worked mostly with ingmar bergman wow <laughs> it cracks me up but yeah so i mean it looks good everyone is good in it the plot she needs psychiatric help <laughs> and i feel so bad for what bill pullman who i think of when i think of the movie the baxter these two mm -hmm. movies are linked in my head because he is the perfect baxter, the baxter. and that's a movie i think we talked about it but, we should um, have, because we talked about, about they came together, but not the Baxter, I think. Right. Well, but the uh, the stumbling block boyfriend, the boyfriend that the woman in a rom-com often has to show that she is not crazy. She is lovable because she has a boyfriend, but he's not the right guy and for she her. she can do better. And the, she can the do better. thing wrong with Bill Pullman in this film is that he has illnesses. That's it. Yeah. It's the only yeah. thing wrong with me. And at the time, I had really bad asthma. And <laughs> I saw it with this girl I think my cousin was dating. And she was just uh, like, I can't believe how rude Bill Pillman was by taking his medicine at night. What? And I was just like, come on, lady. <laughs> he needs that to live. You need to take it. It's not his fault. He didn't choose it. And he's doing what he needs to not stop breathing. Yeah, I I think they hate people with disabilities in this movie. Uh, yeah, they wanted to give him a flaw that's like you said, something she can find fault in, but it's not where it's like, why did you get with that person? Why are you dating an alcoholic or whatever? Because that brings yeah. up all sorts of questions about her choices. But it's just yeah. like, oh, he's just not quite it. Yeah. But but it's funny that she has to have a boyfriend because if she started this movie without a boyfriend, we'd be like, oh, okay, so she's crazy. Yeah. She she can't get a man because she's insane. And it just underlines, well, how would this go if it were in reality? Little well, things like that have to exist. 
Yeah, and you know, Tom Hanks' character is deciding, I'm going to move from she Chicago to Seattle after my wife dies mm. because I need to not be reminded of her. That's not usually recommended. It's actually mm. recommended that you don't radically change your life after someone dies and move to a completely yeah, different city. Especially for your kid who now yeah. is in a new school and he doesn't know where the streets are. He doesn't know. Yeah. Moving is like the most stressful thing ever. Yeah. I think it's number two to somebody dying. So, <laughs> yeah, that was not cool, Tom Hanks. Yeah, but, but and Seattle in 1993, it had a fuck, hipness. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I don't think any city has in 2023. Is there like, what is the Seattle of 2023? Shit, that's tough. Is it still Seattle? I don't know. In a work from home era, what, what city would even have yeah. that anymore? I know Silicon Valley took a little of it, because but Seattle had like, not only a biz, a new business frontier, it had, it was the scene of the music scene that is about to come was rooted there as well. Mm -hmm. And I just, Oh, it's already here. Yeah. We yeah. were, Nevermind's already come out. Yeah. We, we've yeah. already talked about grunge has definitely and, happened. And that is not really reflected in this, this movie. movie I, I lived in Portland and we had all sorts of jealousy at Seattle at the time. It was like, why are they always mentioned in movies and not us? And then build a tower, bitch. our own. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> reputation as well and uh, we yeah. should also say this is the um light rise of tom hanks like as a bankable movie star he'd been in a ton of stuff but like his mm -hmm. last big thing is a, is a much smaller role in league of their own and yeah it's but these that was kind of the comeback she's like oh no he's still funny he's got it it's these he's next two years that that stratospherically transport him into yep. a different level oh yeah the the next couple of years of him uh this Forrest Gump and Apollo 13 are just going to make him into America's dad. They really are. Yeah. That trifecta is what transforms him. I think of the Tom Hanks of today where it's like, we all like Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. We all think he's a nice guy. Let's go see the nice guys movie. Mm. Yep. Yeah. 1993. We have so many people where it's like, how did they do both of those things in one year? Yeah. We got Spielberg doing Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in one year. And we have Tom Hanks doing Sleepless in Seattle and Philadelphia. The two sides of the Tom Hanks yeah. coin and killing he'll, it. At the end of the and, year, he'll yeah, win an Oscar is. and he'll be in one of the top five grossing movies of the year. Yep. It's, he so, looks so yeah. young in this to me. I'm he really just does. so it's, used uh, to it's... older Tom Hanks at this point. Yeah. You know, Grandpa Hanks, no, really. It, it almost happens mm. instantly with Apollo 13. <laughs> he becomes like a different generation on screen. He's not young anymore. Uh, after mm. after Apollo 13. But yeah, I, I, I don't... Sleepless in Seattle is not a movie I personally revisit a lot, but I find it totally pleasant to revisit when it's yeah. thrust upon me. Not a bad film. And this is when I'm at probably my movie geekiest. I am getting so into movies, and not just movies, but their box office. Mm -hmm. I am reading how they did. And I decided that I was going to cut out ads from the newspaper of all the top grossing films wow, okay. of the summer and put them in my locker when school started. Wow. So this was one of them. And I had a sleepless in Seattle ad next to my Jurassic Park ads in my locker. And oh boy, did that not go over well. I got a <laughs> lot of shit. I was going to say for that. And that one quickly got pulled down. I was wondering like, this guy's too sweet to even bully. <laughs> I was going to call him an F slur, but he's just looking for love. Yeah. Love Lauren. Who can, who, how can you not relate in middle school? 
Um, but yeah, uh, massive success. Yeah, no, I'm just, I know this is supposed to be one of the best rom-coms of all time, and I am just not a rom-com person, but I, I appreciate how, like, this is still very watchable, enjoyable, even when you're going like, oh, come on! You flew across the country to stare at him across the street, and now you're leaving? Get help, woman! Uh, yeah, it's but if still you think a recommend it, from me. Yeah. I, I liked it. I can put up with that. She seemed... Yes, you can pick it apart. You can also say, hey, Arnold, your fire trigger discipline wasn't really that great. But come on, that's not what we're here for. Yeah, if you think of it as, yes, this is a movie about romance and movies. Yeah. Then it makes more sense. Yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. And uh, Cleveland, yeah. Seattle. I just, we got so much to talk about. Moving on to television 30 years ago, June 23rd to the 29th. Uh, I, I'd moved this from the news because we had so much, but I thought it was funny and I can also uh, maybe crowdsource this because uh, mm. the four big networks agree to air parental advisories for now only on violent programming. That's under pressure from Congress. And we've seen that happen with numerous mediums before. If you self-regulate, odds are you won't have a <laughs> law whipped upon you if you hurry up mm. and self-mandate. What I couldn't figure out, because uh, the paywall of most of the sites still around that reported on this, is what was the catalyst for this? Like, we're paying attention to television. What is the eye-catching violent television that's occurring? I'm not sure it's violent, but I think The Simpsons played a big role. They got a lot of crap for The Simpsons. Uh, the President of the United States called them out on it at one point, and I really think that even though it wasn't violence, the idea of, hey, what are our we kids need to watching? regulate television got a punch in the arm because of uh, The Simpsons. For our kids, you know, the thing we use as an excuse for things we find distasteful and will throughout time. What I did find, the only thing I did find is that uh, during sweeps, they aired the David Koresh miniseries TV mm -hmm. movie and a counter program, the other networks got their own cult leader massive death <laughs> story together, but based on different people throughout history. So for one week, it was just in primetime on the networks, there were three movies about death cult leaders. That, I don't think that's soon enough, because that was May, to stir up this kind of thing. But like, yeah, I was, I was more curious if anybody remembers like what, what, what was the violence that catalyzed this movement? Because this, within months, the word V-chip comes up. No, no, weeks. Weeks, uh, mm. a television with the ability to block out programming parents might find distasteful based on these potential advisories, which don't really exist yet. Um, that, that, and the, again, that doesn't happen for another couple of years, but like the conversation about the V chip starts next month. And it's, it's, it's hilarious because it's the, the first form of vaporware I can remember. This doesn't exist yet, but it could. The V chip. <laughs> Anyway, moving yeah, I was on. Like, wow, that seems way too early because I remember that as being an early two thousand thing, and then looking up, like, yeah, no, they were kicking that around in like ninety three, ninety four. That's that's how long it took. To, it didn't get rolled out for a while. Technology to like how long it took things to go to HD and shit. It always took like a decade. Uh, but it, in terms of the Simpsons being influential, the bigger influence, too little, too late, is the debut of Family Dog on CBS. Oh, God, this took forever. Took yeah. forever. It's a. Uh, because it was a bad idea. That's why it took forever. You know, Brad Bird, one of the best animation guys in all of history, created Family Dog. 
he passed on doing the television show because he didn't think there was enough there there. And he was absolutely right. Yes. Yes. And and again, this is following up on our conversation about Spielberg, our Patreon conversation about Twilight Zone, the movie, Spielberg's love of anthology stuff. I'm a little too young to have seen amazing stories live, but that was Spielberg's Twilight Zone, where he'd just come up with a new story every week. And there was this great first person cartoon from a young animator named Brad Bird, produced by Tim Burton. Uh, or was it the show produced by Bird? It just got a weird pedigree, this show. Paul Dini, Brad Bird, Tim Burton, all working on a primetime animated show that nobody cared about. But yeah, it was a single episode of Amazing Stories. They thought, maybe we can make this into a show. And then The Simpsons came along and like, you better fucking make this into a show. And yeah, lit but a fire. The episode ran in 1987. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> now it's 1993. And I remember the episode. I watched Amazing Stories. Holy I remember crap. the episode. This was the entire Bush presidency. I just yes. realized that. <laughs> it went from oh Re- it aired in Reagan and then it aired in Clinton again. Uh, yeah. I remember like the episode was a huge hit and everyone was like, thought it was really cool. And they said, yeah, we're going to make this a TV show. And everyone was like, woo, cool. And then. You didn't hear a goddamn thing for six years. Yeah, the production was and then no one cares. fraught with peril, yeah. delayed. And you even saw that because there was merchandise. Like, this is going to be The Simpsons. It's going to be in a mm-hmm. bigger network. And there was merchandise <sighs> shirts out there, video games for Family Dog, and it went one sad season. Okay, they made so many major mistakes, okay? One, yep. this is a family where no one likes anyone else in the family. That's not a great environment. That's not a place you want to spend time with. Yes, Homer will strangle Bart, okay? But that's a blip compared to the constant bickering that this family does. Uh, and the animation is not good. Yeah, the not like the short. lip sync is horrible. They don't even seem to try. Uh, and at times when they should be animating stuff, they just cut to the dog so they don't have to animate stuff. I mean, I I watched one episode. Uh, it was about uh, the family dog tackles the homelessness problem. Okay. <laughs> now, the reason a lady is homeless in the family dog universe is because she had an argument about dinner and then she left her house and she didn't want to go home because she's angry. What? And that's why she's homeless. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and then they resolve the argument, and so she's no longer homeless. That's why people are homeless. They have arguments about dinner. Thank you, family uh, dog. <laughs> Everyone who's homeless is just stubborn. And, yeah, I was going to say, that, uh, that happened to me, but it led to me being hungry for like two hours before I came home. Uh, yeah, that, maybe that was supposed to be related. It doesn't matter because like it was just odd to oh, see. Oh, she was a grown-ass adult. I know. It wasn't a kid. But this the idea that this, yeah, that this long-awaited TV show like went out with a fucking whimper. And it's like mm. no fandom, no DVD. Every animated show, no matter how long, got a good DVD release. And this didn't. Uh, back in the day, they're all all the episodes I think are on YouTube. Uh, the short is kind of hard to find, but uh, it's out there. But Family Dog, man, Ed, you may remember it from a tombstone in The Simpsons alongside other one season <laughs> Simpsons wannabes. Even though this came well before, came to TV well before The Simpsons did. 
but yeah, that, that, I think that tombstone is its longest lasting cultural impact. Yeah, that's so sad to think of, but yeah. Aww. But the, the original short is amazing, and it's like it's, it's so good, unlike anything you you'd ever seen on television. And there's a reason you can't reproduce that on a weekly basis, uh, even when you hire the guy who made Batman in the series awesome. Uh, also, in big television news, uh, I don't. Late Night with David Letterman ends on NBC. Um, after what 20, 20 something years in the air, eighty two. Sorry, it's right here, and I think almost immediately starts up on CBS. Like, there's almost no downtime. Get, yep. Think like a month going off memory. It's not mm-hmm. long. It, it's yeah. It's pretty short. Uh, but we, I love we have some clips from this. Uh, Letterman. yeah, I watched the entire episode. It's a bit of a clip show, but I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. because they they do one of my favorite Letterman sketches of all time which is where uh, GE buys NBC. And so he goes to drop off a fruit basket at General GE's headquarters. <laughs> and then, uh, what is your name? Ramos, Orlando Ramos. And, you know, we're working together now. Oh, that's nice. That's I think I like working for GE. It's good. Are they good. nice people? Good people, good people. Are they mean to you at all? Excuse me? Are they ever mean to you? No, no, good uh, people. Christmas bonuses? Good people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, and then he gets kicked out and it, it is it is hilarious. Uh, one thing I really did appreciate is when Johnny Carson left, he never wished Jay nope. good luck. It's pretty controversial. But this is what David Letterman had to say about his new guy. We'll take over this program is uh, Conan O'Brien. Uh, I've met him a couple of times. The only thing I know about Conan for sure is that he, you know, he's been in prison. <laughs> That's, that's all I... I don't know. I know he killed a guy. I don't... Uh, and he... Um, he's been on the show, and, and uh, as I said to him when he was a guest on our program, uh, I hope for Conan and his staff uh, all of the success and the happiness uh, that we here have been able to achieve, and I sincerely mean that for him and his folks. Uh, also, I... Awesome. Awesome, yeah, it, that's just a nice little thing. It's one little line, and Carson really should have done that. Yeah, Carson never did anything for, with Jay Leno, ever. <laughs> and once or twice did stuff for Letterman on camera, but Letterman was super kind to Conan, which I wasn't even really part of that generation, but the guy who kind of, what would you say, unwantonly took your spot? Like, he would just come on Conan all the time and do bits with him. Like, just, I thought mm-hmm. it was such an... If yep. people who miss Letterman in that time slot he was always down to like go on Conan and help the new guy out at a different network. So cool. Um, a show I've never heard of Johnny Bago. Is am I saying that right? Yeah, uh, pretty much. So, uh, this is a summer TV series and this is one of those TV shows where I watched it. I really liked it. And then it disappeared and I could have no proof that it ever existed. <laughs> Pre internet. Cause Okay, uh, so here's the, the deal. Johnny is a small-time hood in the New York Mafia, not making this up, who the day he is released from prison gets framed for murdering one of the big fellows in the Mafia. Keep in mind, this is a CBS family-friendly television show. And he has to go on the run, and he falls in with a grizzled old man who drives a Winnebago and there's news reports all about how he's wanted for murder and how the police are after him. 
Uh, oh, it's the Johnny. mafia is after him. And his ex-wife became a parole officer what? solely so that she could chase after him. So Johnny and Bago is a Winnebago reference, not his last It name. is. Wow. Because uh, he's trying to come up with a fake name, and his head had smashed into half of the Winnebago logo, so it just said Bago. So he said, my name is Johnny Bago. And then the old man tells him what the entire premise of this television show is going to be. You're perfectly right about it, Johnny, but... You're innocent until you're proven guilty in this country. That's what's good about it. But it ain't gonna help that guy run from them mafiosos. No, he's a dead man. Now, if I was in his shoes, I'd go the RV route. I'd go from place to place, nothing to trace. Stay out of the big cities where the mob holds its way. Crisscross America, crapesing the bugs in the byways. Oh, yeah, I could just see him now shacking up on one of these... He's solving mysteries, helping. <laughs> yeah, helping uh, week after week, another crazy adventure, Johnny. That's what I think will happen to you. Johnny Bago. Uh, this is created by Robert Zemeckis and the writers of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Wow, damn right it was. Why? I don't know. I, it's not a bad idea for a show. Honestly, yeah. you go around to small town America in a bago. You're always on the run. You've always got that chasing after you, and you go on adventure after adventure. I really liked it when it came out, honestly, and I was sad when it got uh, canceled. And I've I've low key thought about getting an RV after I retire. I think most men carry that yeah. around with them all the time. What if I just yeah. left, man? Ugh. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I'm not I'm hey, I'm with I'm right there with you, brother. All I mean, it's got an appeal, doesn't yeah. it? So I own my home know. but no lawn maintenance. Yeah, I'm on the road. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing. Get tired of a place, go to a different place. You'll never and, get the uh, me smell out. And yeah. <laughs> so I'm here all the time. <laughs> uh and then I had my rough relationship with the show is not based on its mer- the next show is not based on its merits. It's it was always like the end of Saturday morning cartoons. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it was going to be the only person who was going to go to bat for the soul transit system. <laughs> soul train, baby. But it wasn't over. It was just the last one with Don Cornelius. Right. Who'd been the host for 23 years. I'm sorry. No, it's not soul train without Don Cornelius. No, absolutely not. True. And I didn't look into it because it's a wonder, like, Part of the only thing this show has is Don Cornelius. I hope he wasn't pushed because he he did make it look like it was from a different era. The, the presentation yeah. could use an update, but uh, I always watched a little bit because the animation intro. Oh, but moving on to what I was super into at the time, video games with oh, a wonderful focus this week on the Sega CD games. You We all ignored from 1993, 30 years ago. Uh I hated this because I remember when this guy died, I was hurt, but I was working at a game website, and you always went, let's see if we can find a connection so I can memorialize him. Sadly, Double Switch on the Sega CD was Corey Haim's largest contribution to the interactive medium. Ugh. What? Yeah. Uh, Well, like Night Trap, we have a former child actor who will die of a drug overdose, Mm. and Corey Haim at this point is where his fame has faded but he's not full on selling his teeth on ebay mm. which mm. was a real thing he did he's, it's his working actor period before he had like that nostalgia uptick like oh it's cool to see cory Haim again uh yeah. but yeah in the game double switch here we have a little clip of him oh cory 
My name is Eddie. I need your help. I built all these traps and security systems to protect the people who live here. You and me are friends, right? You gotta help me. I think so this is a great 25th anniversary trailer that remasters the footage because God did it look like dog shit on Sega CD. And if oh. All of Sega CD video is such dog shit. I, I don't understand how anyone has eyes left after watching any Sega CD full motion video. <laughs> it's 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 so weird because it's where for like 10 years, the interactive theatrical movie was a thing people kept trying to make and they all shuffled on over to die on the Sega CD, like kill the whole medium. Uh, sort of including Mad Dog McCree, which at least had substantial gameplay as part of its... Except the Sega CD is like the worst place yeah. to play this game because there is a slight delay in mm. this game between when you shoot your gun and when it takes effect because it's the Sega CD and technology is not as advanced as in the arcade. Do you know how frustrating it is yeah. to play a shooting game with a delayed uh, response time? It's, it's, a, it's a live action it's Western shooting game. And it's, it's always, it, I don't even know if the, the delay might've been just the laser disc queuing up what you just did. So there's always yeah. like, not unlike it was more tolerable in something like dragon slayer, but just weird, especially when ported on Sega CD, echo the dolphin on Sega CD. Maybe it's hype. Maybe the one high point here for a franchise. You know, I think this is the superior version of Echo the Dolphin. I really do. The hmm. graphics look better, and it's got a beautiful soundtrack because the that's what the Sega CD really had going for it. You could have uh, really gorgeous uh, background music yep. in a way you couldn't with any other 16-bit system. Yeah, I mean, it could just be like music taken off the Sam Goody shelf, thrown into Redbook audio. You can listen to it in your CD player. Can you tell me anything about the Terminator Sega CD game? Because I don't know anything about it. Uh, if you don't accept the light gun arcade games, okay, I think this is the best Terminator home game of the 20th century. Is it, is it a port of the arcade mm. game? No, it's not. Okay. You are walking around and it's a platformer where you shoot things, but it's actually a decent shoot 'em up platformer. All right. All right. And then... A game famous in, uh, in our end of the world, The Amazing Spider-Man versus Kingpin for Sega CD. Sega really utilizing its uh, first-party Spider-Man relationship. And we started doing podcasts, and within like five episodes, we are making fun of things from this game, from its Mr. Big theme song to its wonderful voice acting. And it just... Spider-Man now, everybody gets him, especially people who make the movies. He is young. So... Obviously, I'm highlighting one of my old favorite sound clips, but I hate how they, old they make Spider-Man sound in all of these productions. <laughs> From the Sega CD, here's Spider-Man and uh, Kurt Connors. Here, you take it. Thanks, Kurt. This will help me clobber the kingpin. What's happening to me? He's the lizard again. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> oh, no, he's the lizard again. Let me get Metamucil so I can be regular before I take on this young chap. You needed some Centrum Silver. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, yeah, but still kind of a fun ga Spider-Man game yeah. underneath all the weird 17 minutes of fucking cutscenes. 
So the Amazing Spider-Man versus the Kingpin is why I got a Sega Genesis. It's the game that I just loved and adored because I love Mm Spider-Man. And that was like the best video game that uh, took on the superhero characters that I loved at the time. I really do think that. I don't think there were a lot better. Um, This version, it's halfway between a remake and Mm -hmm. an up-res of that. Because it tries to be open world. Like you go around and you select like, I don't know, 20 to 30 different uh, mini stages in New York. But all those stages are like exactly the same. And you move around a map <laughs> and it's like you have to work to get to the good stages with the supervillains. But they added a couple of supervillains as compared to the uh, Genesis version. And they put in a pinball game. So <laughs> it's... It's weird. It's not quite... I, I think I still prefer the Genesis version, but I, they threw in too much stuff that didn't improve the game, in my opinion. Mm. Well, speaking of extremely dated 30-year-old stuff, one book to mention this week, Chicken Soup for the Soul, comes out on bookshelves. Uh, uh, I worked in a bookstore a couple of years after this, and my God, I hated these so, so much because this book took off and the spinoffs happen immediately there are more than 275 different chicken soup soul books which get very specific such as chicken soup for the beach lover soul (laughs) for the nascar soul for the golfer for the woman golfer for the fisherman for the scrapbooker well it's goddamn things infinitely repeatable formula chicken soup for the soul is basically a series of inspiring stories that's it and that's it. you know actually a lot of people <laughs> i totally didn't know that uh yeah that's all it is it's yeah, oh i read this short story while on the john and it made me feel like good. reader's okay. digest with a yeah yeah, yeah a with a happy all, beat right which they're supposedly real which none of them are no <laughs> basically none of them are actual stories that actually happen to people well, they're actually. actual stories that people say actually happened to them. That was their whole thing. Yeah. You you sent in it, and they gave you like $25, and then they made $25 million when the book went to print. But, uh, yep. you know, I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with getting a pick-me-up. You know, life can be hard at times, and hearing good stories can feel good. Well, I just found it odd. I typed it into the Google machine, chicken soup for the... And it just auto-filled chicken soup for the soul dog food, where yeah. this is like the longest, the, the most public, publicly viewable branding that this still has. Yeah. Dog they food. Have <laughs> books, dog food. They're publicly traded now, I think, on the NASDAQ. Wow. They're partial owners of Crackle. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. It's weird. But, uh, you know. News stories are what ninety nine percent negative, or even greater than that. I think it's okay mm. to have a little positivity sure. in life. Sure, yeah. there's something about these that just scream. I want to enforce the status quo on myself. Everything's fine. So like, much, yeah. So much self help stuff is just sort of like, no, you should not change. You should be happy with how bad things. Yeah, are. don't change the way you vote. Heaven's going to be awesome. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway. I know I'm incredibly cynical because I didn't read Chicken Soup for the Soul Christmas in Canada. 
<laughs> hey, moving on to music. That's the way love Is there goes. Chicken soup for the podcaster's soul. Uh, uh, I gotta look it up. Uh, it might be for radio. That wouldn't shock me. Uh, I, the only thing close to that is a Cards Against the Humanities uh, sponsorship. They don't make you say yeah. anything. Oh, just pay you. Chicken soup for the podcaster's soul. Haven't had one in a while. That's the way love goes by Janet Jackson. Still number one in music uh, 30 years ago, June 23rd to the 29th. But there are some new releases, including Crazy Legs by Jeff Beck. Hints, allegations, and the things left unsaid by Collective Soul. Back to Broadway by Barbara Streisand. Cyberpunk by Billy Idol. Hatful of Stars by Cindy Lauper, our birthday spotlight from last week. Uh, individual thoughts, thought patterns by Death. And we will close out by Shine by Collective Soul. Please do yourself a favor. Look up Collective Soul Cat. It is one of my favorite viral videos of the last 30 years. Um, oh, wait. I do know that one. So good. So good. Uh, especially the ending as it fades out on his face. Uh, but Shine by Collective Soul, a song I am deeply annoyed by now, given its ubiquity. But very much loved when uh, it came out and bought the what album. I think, what I what does like 80% of grunge sound like? It's the opening to this song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we'll close out with that. But don't move. We got so much more to talk about. Ten years in the future. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Why do you see Alan over here to yeah. tell me more about not only a trip to Japan, the, the most recent person I know to go to Tokyo Disney Sea, biggest, bestest, most expensive Disney theme park in the entire world, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Most expensively built, maybe not to visit right now with the strength of the dollar. Hey, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Tokyo Disney Sea twice to the point where, ask me if I'd go again. Would you go again, Chris? I don't know that I would. That place has three hour lines for everything. Well, the thing that I did, because the ticket, you know, with the with the conversion rate and stuff like that, the, the ticket itself to the park was only $70. Damn, really? Which, which is like half as expensive as Disneyland. Yeah. Right? Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. Coming in with Clay Aiken. This is the night. It is number one. And I've never been so happy to not pay attention to music during this period. Even though I was. Just not this. Uh, this is the night. Hello. Welcome to 2003. Uh, June 23rd to the 29th. Other new releases this week include Bittersweet by Blue Cantrell. Elefunk by Black Eyed Peas. Hotel oh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Hotel uh, Paper by Michelle Branch. I Am the Movie by Motion City Soundtrack. Keep It Together by Gustard. The self-titled album from Liz Fair. Wow, 10 years after Exile and Guyville. Population Me by Dwight Yoakam. Done Breakables by Oscar winners 3-6 Mafia. And Dangerously in Love by 
by Beyonce. Beyonce, a solo album from Beyonce. Oh, Lord, it begins. <laughs> yes. Is and this I'm her first solo it. album? Yes. Uh, is this, yes. Or the big one. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 20 years. Wow. And it is the official proof. And maybe she doesn't. We don't need to pay those other girls. Um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know much more than that. Is she in just the- Just holding her back. They're just holding her back. Is she in the soundtrack of the one of the highest grossing movie this week? Um, or is that just the first no. movie? Nope. It- uh, no, I don't think she is. Everyone else is in that soundtrack. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about it. My God, there's three seconds of so- a movie with no soundtrack, and then it just picks up again. But we have a lot to get to we do. before we get to that. We do, because uh, big news this week, or I feel like I'll be saying in a couple of years it was, the U.S. Supreme Court rules in, Lawr- in the Lawrence versus Texas case that uh, sodomy laws are unconstitutional and cannot be held. Yay! Individually in states or whatnot, just you know, really old school dumb shit here. And yep. This is overturning a decision of only 17 years ago, because in 1986 there was a similar Supreme Court, and that court ruled that homosexuality is absolutely not a constitutional right, mm. and uh, it was a uh, uh, to the court they declared it wasn't, and. To show you how much society changed in 17 years, one of the justices at that time said, you know, I don't think I've ever met a gay man in my life. Now, it turns out his own personal clerk was a closeted gay man Mm. and so had lots of people in Bennett's life. But by the time this decision came around, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor had just given a wedding gift to two lesbians who were about to be married before ruling on this case. That's a tremendous change in only 17 years. Yep. And yeah, and this case was just straight up bullshit where basically a guy made a prank call to the cops on his ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. The cops show up at his house where he's having sex with another man yep. in the privacy of their home. They're not bothering anybody, but because the cops saw it, they arrest them. Yep. And that was a decision on the cops because this law had been on the books, but they weren't really enforcing it. And Mm -hmm. uh, gay rights activists were like a little upset about that because they really wanted to challenge the law on the books, even if it wasn't being enforced. Just Mm -hmm. the mere fact that it was illegal has uh, sociological implications. So these two rather low-loving low-level police officers decided to just enforce it, whereas a lot of people weren't getting it enforced on them. And then the attorneys were like, great, uh, we're not going to challenge this. There's actually a whole bunch of uh, ways we could challenge uh, this, but we want this to go to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. It was actively deciding we could get this tossed out on a bunch of other (laughs) manners very quickly, but we don't want that. In perpetuity. If we take this yeah, all the way. No, we want we want the test case to go all the way. And it's like, yeah, and it did. So, yeah, obviously, you know, sodomy can mean a lot of things. It doesn't apply to, you know, bestiality or child abuse because those are covered under different statutes. But all but butt stuff. Just, you know, guy wants to blow another guy. You could go to jail for that. No, I'm saying it applies to all butt stuff, even between a man and a woman. Not yep. good. Not good yep. for anybody. So, uh, yeah, this this is good in just the basic, like, it's none of your business. Yeah. If two adults want to do it, 
Who yeah, the hell cares if they do it? 20 years ago, I could be arrested for being pegged. It's, yep, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm barely making a joke there. That is that is how the laws were on the books. And I, I remember there was that Michael Moore piece that took a pink RV around to all the states who still have these laws trying to violate them. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, they were they were not very quick to prosecute because nobody wanted this in the news. But haha, two angry officers yeah. called on a prank. We'll show you. Yeah. But then, yeah, it's also because it's on the books, you can threaten people with it. Mm-hmm. You know, true. you arrest him for something else and you threaten, yeah, and we're going to add this charge and this charge and this charge. It's, like, it's true. I got a blowjob. I'm just not uh, the smartest person in modern political times, but sensing a real hard pivot towards uh, more anti-gay bigotry going on in the conservative party. So I'm just a little wor- more yeah. than a little worried. Uh, yeah, Justice Thomas voted against this. He wanted to keep sodomy laws anywhere they were in there. They were. He wanted to enforce them. So. I, I just trust him. <laughs> That guy. I just trust him. Uh, and then some of the, perhaps the greatest thing to come out of the W. Bush administration, and even that comes to the big old asterisk, the United States National Do Not Call Registry. It is formed to combat unwanted telemarketing calls uh, and administered by the federal, the FCC uh, enrolls almost three quarters of a million phone numbers on its first day, but not what kind of phone numbers? Cell phone Cell numbers. Cell phone numbers. <laughs> it was in, I remember them crowing to all end about this. Hey, we did something productive. Can you? I can't believe it either. It still has a massive loophole. Everybody wants this. Let's have <laughs> yeah. this. There, there was re- really no people who were like, ah, no, I want to keep getting these unsolicited phone calls all hours of the night, all the time, please. And I, I don't know about you, but I signed up like right away. And yep. I was still getting phone calls for the longest time. Oh, yeah. And even today, I still get a bunch of unsolicited well, phone I, calls this, from scammers. Weirdly, I can't I want to say it was two years ago, but that marked the last time I ever had a landline. And so, like, when I read further into this bill, like, this doesn't affect anything at all about my... But, but it wasn't really happening that much with phones compared to, like, now where, like, man, multiple times every day... Am I getting some weird texts? Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't accept calls mm-hmm. from uh, numbers I don't know. I just let them go straight for voicemail. But when my kids are going to camp, which yep. they are right now, I have to turn that feature off because I may be getting a phone call from someone I, I don't know. And I'm just so annoyed with all the time I'm picking up my phone. I'm going, I know it's like a 90% chance I don't want to answer that. But because of that 10% chance, I have to. I, I feel Click. you. Yep. Ugh. Okay, please don't call here. Someone again. I love in a hospital. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yep. And, do you, do, most of mine are in Chinese. Do you guys get Chinese scam calls? No, not yet. I think it's because I have a San Francisco area code. You know what? The, the, I, the I'm weirdest, curious. The, I get unsolicited uh solicitations for donations to both the democratic party and the republican party do you guys get both because i get both i i do but i didn't after i volunteered for the campaign and somehow got my number in the mix of like this guy's never going but what i do get and i don't know why and i'm not trying to make any political police and highway patrolmen foundations like what what did i do to get Get on this list. Did you not see the marches I was in over the last five years? Like, mm-hmm. I, what did I, when did I sign up for? I, you would like to give your extra money to cop party funds. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I would not. Yep. That, that's the one I get a lot. Plus, like, the texts or sometimes the calls saying that they're the IRS. And I'm like, the fuck you are. I got one like, from the, 
U.S. Postal Service, hey, man, we got this LG TV sitting here waiting for you to claim with a Hotmail address. Like, wh- why does the U.S. <laughs> Post Office have a Hotmail address? See, I really hate the IRS ones because mm-hmm. one time I did get in trouble from the IRS, and I was thinking it was a scam. I was. I was like, nope, there's no way. I paid these on time. My taxes are not overdue. Fuck off and die. Oh, <laughs> This was real, and now my fine's even greater. Wait for the Great. wait for the letter in July, and then you can say like, uh, yeah. And yeah, they'll they'll yeah. wave some they of those. Send mail. They always yeah. send oh, mail. I, I got the mail, but then it was yeah, forget it. It was a whole big thing. But yeah, I love it. You know, we are the IRS. We only accept payment in Amazon gift cards. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on to movies of 2003, because I think all oh, three are uh, worthwhile, at least to talk so about. Wonderful. Uh, so hard to believe. 20 years ago, Greg Sestero, Mark, uh, Juliet Danielle, and the wonderful America's Rose, Tommy Wiseau, in The Room. The Room! I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, it's so, it's so, <laughs> it's so good and, and just like so pure because of the really enjoyable bad movies the last 20 years. Like none of them hit the marks, the ingredients that had to happen for the room to happen. None of them hit the high mark. High marks. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. It's one of those things digging into the movie. I feel like this should be shown in film schools because there's so many things of what not to do. Yeah. Screenwriting classes too, because he clearly doesn't know how to start or end a scene. So every scene ends starts with, oh, hi, person's name. And it generally ends with someone saying, I don't want to talk about this and walking off. <laughs> or, or how to write and you don't want to be perceived as someone who hates all women. Because what? <laughs> I'm not sure. Are like- you saying there is a theme to this film well, i'm just not sure that that like is even in his heart he just thought that would be the most relatable thing like because i hear of this happening all the time he, it, i don't know that it was based on a something that actually happened to him well yeah i mean that's why truly great bad cinema is personal yes. cinema. you can see <laughs> the fingerprints all over it and and th- this is the number one example followed very closely the only movie i compare this to is glenn or glenda the mm. edward film because that is a movie where he is, he is telling you something personal, but he's also telling you way more than he wanted. To. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, In this yeah. one, he's trying to, there's so many things that this guy seems to be trying to say. Like he loves melodrama, but he doesn't quite understand it. He really doesn't trust women. He really wants to, like, he wants the American dream, and but he, he doesn't know what that is is he, like he doesn't know how people act. i'm pretty sure he's an alien and this was his thesis project well and he really <laughs> wanted to do the performance from the only movie he'd ever seen rebel without a cause and and <laughs> he wrote well, backwards from there let's throw this out to here you two have both seen the disaster artist i assume of course right? one yes. of the best movies yeah. ever about making a movie up there with yeah. that so uh i was undecided with my wife whether i should show her the room first and then the disaster artist or the disaster artist and then the room make i really room think first. you should make it a double feature it's i've yeah. done it I twice don't know it's great what the best order the is. room first it has to be the room first yeah but I, I know what you're saying I, I know what you're saying because like if you've never seen it 
it will be more uproarious if you see, because I saw Plan 9 after I saw Ed Wood. And uh. it taught me how to be entertained with it on the same level. The filmmakers were, but like uh, The Room, I... I think I may have seen, like, I remember having to read about it. Cause if you don't remember, it didn't see the disaster artist. Like it was written about in entertainment weekly as this Los Angeles phenomenon. Cause it's all self-financed by this weird guy who kept a billboard up and kept this movie in theaters way long. It should have fallen away. It should have disappeared because he wanted it to be eligible for an Oscar yeah. <laughs> that he, he looked yeah. up. The eligibility for Oscars, and it was you have to be playing in Los Angeles theater for X numbers of weeks. And he was just like, I will pay all of that money so that my film is eligible for an Oscar. And, yeah. you know, I occasionally think uh, if I were to go back in time and watch the Beatles when they were a new band, what would that experience be like? And I would like to go back to the premiere showing of The Room and watch it with a crowd was where there? no one knows what it will oh. become. Mm. Oh my God. Well, plenty there. of people walked out and that's the, the wonderful thing that it's like, how does something like this kind of break containment and become viral as it were? And it took a while. Uh, five second films, Michael Rousselet. It sounds like we really have him to thank on this, that he, he went to either the premiere or an early critic screening and was like, this movie's hilarious <laughs> and started bringing friends and they brought friends and they told people and they told people. And then when it went out of theaters, they started emailing uh, Tommy Wiseau and being like, when is this coming to DVD? I want to buy it. And then it became, yeah, it spread around like through comedians or, you know, other yeah. Hollywood folks. It became a know. rite of passage. You could only see in Los Angeles for this really long time. And I don't think I got to see it. It was an accident. Like adult swim aired it as a joke right, eventually eventually yeah, because because tim and eric are huge fans mm -hmm. and they <laughs> they brought Tommy we so on their show yeah to direct an episode and it's it's a disaster and then i think by 06 i moved to san francisco it was a, already a showing phenomenon but like to this day it's like a highly independent film you cannot stream this movie you have to order it from Tommy Wiseau's website. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't believe it's streaming yeah. anywhere. You can't buy the DVD on Amazon. You have to go to him, and it is so worth seeing. If you if you like our show, you pay an inordinate amount of attention to movies. That a movie that gets this far doing everything incorrectly, and I love how the disaster artist even highlights down to like you don't buy your own movie cameras, D yeah. digital or you, film. You Let's don't do film both in both digital. <laughs> And film stock in 2003 that, right. simultaneously, no simultaneously. <laughs> no, there's no reason for that. And then just every it's not just that every choice is the wrong one, it's that every choice is like four wrong ones yes. at the same time. <laughs> like, we'll just start with why is it called the room? It takes place in multiple rooms. It's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just it, like oh, I just watched Spider Man and, and he wants to fail out of his his his. Vision school and he like hands in his test score and like these are all the wrong answers which means you knew the right ones and you purposely chose the wrong ones in order to be wrong Tommy Wiseau didn't do that on purpose every single multiple choice <laughs> quiz in making a movie is incorrect and somehow he yeah. makes the wrong one every time and it is never not entertaining it is so good nope. okay nope. this this is Tommy Wiseau's explanation at the time I thought about a special place a private place, a place where you can be safe. And it's not a room, but it's the room. 
I thought, and I think a lot of people would tend to relate to it. So the room is a place where you can go. You can have a good time. You have a bad time and a safe place. I oh, I love this that man. Is an explanation on why it is called the room. I love this man so much, and what? I tell what? you, his mystery was sort of ruined around the disaster artist because he started making like real high level press tours, and like I just remember like he won't tell you where he's from or where he got his money, and then he's on like Kimlin. He's like, no, I'm from France, and here's how I made my money. I'm like. God. The mystery was so he's, cool. <laughs> he's yeah. not from France. I don't know. He said is, he said where he's from. He's, he really? says he's from France. He says he's from France. He is clearly not from France. Because uh, po Poland seems to be the leading candidate, but we so spelled differently means bird in French. So he probably did spend time in France. Yeah, I think that was sort I mean, of it. He grew up there. In the disaster artist, he answers the phone saying, "I'm listening," which is the French style "Allo Jacquette." Sure, but like so. Yeah, no, no one knows where he's from. Why does he have money? Why does he blow so much money? It, it millions to yeah. make this movie. This this millions of dollars. Small, to, tiny, terrible for a, movie. A green screen and sets <laughs> that you could have shot on location. You could have shot them in totally. an apartment, in anyone's apartment. But no, it has to be the room that we decorate by framing pictures of spoons. Okay, sure, that's what people do. This is the way humans are. And I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if you've been to like one of the raucous live screenings, but it was uh, my first yeah. time. Like I got bombarded with plastic spoons and had no idea why. Right. Well, that's part of yeah, it. You got a Iraqi horror in that shit. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like that's died a little bit. Um, uh, there's a 20th anniversary good. one coming go. out that I want to go because I've never seen it in a crowd. Go. I've it's, only so good. Ever seen it. it's so and good. And my daughter is getting old enough. I was wondering if I could take it to her to that, but it's like, Rocky Horror. I really think the first time you watch Rocky Horror should be by yourself because if you're really? in a crowd, everyone's going to be talking and doing over it and you're not going to get it. Yeah, I'm wondering point. if the same is with The Room. I, I don't know Probably. what to tell you. I don't to know, know what to tell you. A little bit because I don't know because if you see it in a crowd and you can't hear anything. It's true. It makes exactly as much sense as when you can hear it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, the, the multiple unnecessary sex scenes, though, you might Want to hold off? I like to hit, uh, I like to uh, hit my lady with a rose when we're getting intimate. Just smack her uh, with it. That's a fair point. Uh -huh. I had a, I I'd honestly blank those out. <laughs> Most yeah, people do. You, you should because I think a lot of it's reused footage. They just he just does the same <laughs> fucking shots again. Yeah. Why, man? Does he really not understand women? <laughs> yeah. And so, I was making my film Dark Dungeons. The room and Ed Wood were very much on my mind and people were like <laughs> are you going to make a bad movie and i was like no absolutely not the reason the room works because many people have tried to make bad movies so bad they're good and they fail miserably the room mm -hmm. works as a bad as a good bad movie because tommy was did his very best and that was my whole strategy with dark dungeons the movie it was we are going to make the best version of this story that the people would make if they could make Perfect. it. Perfect. Which is which is what the room did. Mm -hmm. That's what they were trying to do. Because why well, I can't get on board with that Neil Breen guy, just because like he keeps making the same awful movie over and over again, knowing what everybody's saying about him. Part of the great mystery of Tommy mm -hmm. Wiseau is like people have tried to give him shots at making other things, and they it's always turns out to be a terrible idea. Don't do that. And I, yep. make no, it's lightning in a bottle. Don't try yeah. to catch this twice. Don't do there's, that again. He can he can spend the rest of his life 
going to do room showings where he shows the room, signs a few autographs, gets the crowd a few stories, and that's it. But and throw, throws footballs with people. He likes to do that. Mm-hmm. Because that is what human males do with each other for fun. Perfect spirals in tuxedos. You, you throw a football about four feet at each other. Mm-hmm. I can and then really... a whole other scene will happen. And then they'll cut back to the football. <laughs> like, and so many just drop plot elements. It's like, why? You know you're supposed to like go somewhere with that. When someone announces they have breast cancer, that's probably going to come back up. No. No, no, no. Why is there a couple just walks into their friend's apartment, uh, gets busy, and then leaves? I don't Wait, know. Wait, you don't do that? Shit. Well, not anymore. <laughs> I'm married. Uh, like, <laughs> it, it finally, once it, once it finally occurred to me, like, oh, wait, those two characters are supposed to be the same guy. It's just one of the actors had to leave, and they didn't just recast. They just recast the part in the middle of the movie. This started to make a little bit more sense. Like, oh, that's supposed to be the therapist, but that's a totally different guy. Like, random people just show up and we act like we're supposed to know what their thing is. So adjusted I, for inflation, this cost about $10 million in today's money. Jesus Christ. Ah! Do you know how many movies I could oh, make man. for $10 million? Yeah, man. Oh, my God. That would have, you know, plot, story, characters, uh, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was Jesus. just tangentially involved in a filmmaker's randomly, what do they call it? They randomly assign you a genre. You got 48-hour 40, filmmaking contest. And mm-hmm. what they pulled out of that shit is like more clever <laughs> and more well done than the fucking, oh, but I, I, it's it's wonderful. And it, it explains, really explains, helps explain who Tim and Eric are. I hope you have a <laughs> better understanding now, JR, because. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, it's about uncanniness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things that are pretty close to how they're supposed to be but they're just off enough that you're like wait what it it is by far my biggest recommend of the week i recommend a don't with the right mood with the right people and don't watch it alone watch it with someone preferably who's never seen it so you can both experience that together then if that can't happen watch it with someone who has seen it because you're not going to get the DVD in time for the 20th anniversary. Here, they take a while to ship. Uh, or if you have a light awareness of it, see it in a theater. It is fucking hysterical and, and didn't ruin anything for me. And I'd only seen it on Adult Swim. It's just like, what the fuck is this? It's so much stranger to be broken up by commercials. Uh, <laughs> but uh, another like serious watershed movie that comes out this week um, that I want I want to give endless fucking praise to. Brendan Gleeson, Christopher Eccleston, Naomi Harris, Killian Murphy. Dude, it's 28 days later. In the blink of an eye, the virus struck. It's the blood. There's something in the blood. The devastation spread, and the world he knew was gone. No! 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 He thinks he's alone, but he's not. They wake up today in hospital. Twenty-eight days later. Rated R. Oh, is this this is the time that this is the movie where I'm like, I will forever watch anything Danny Boyle wants to do. Hell to the yeah. This is his his whole career is fan- just so yep. fascinating, but he's coming off of two disappointments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beach and life less ordinary. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, Both okay, great. I think 
I think we're done with the whole Danny Boyle thing, you know, like train spotting was a big head, but like, I think we're done here. And so pivot, damn it, pivot to something completely different and do, do a horror movie. And okay, let's just get this out of the way now. They never say zombie in the movie. Sure. They are technically yep. not zombies. They are the infected, but this is kind of the birth of the fast zombie. Honestly, calling zombies anything other than zombies is a huge zombie trope this these days you know yeah they they work very hard to avoid the z word oh yeah most i remember i wrote zombie. one and had to have a serious conversation with the director like we're not saying the word we're not saying the word because mm -hmm. we can do anything with them and uh i think the same way i said jurassic park uh, zombies movies had existed forever but had been almost entirely independent and B or lower grade movies. Uh, Uwe Boll's House of the Dead is out the same year. This is sort of the first like guy who knows that this is going to have a theatrical debut and make some box office. This is it. This is the first, other than Resident Evil, which are barely fucking zombie movies uh, at this point. Yep. This is to me the like the first big Hollywood zombie movie, and it's very small, eight million dollar budget. Yeah, I was almost say, the cost of the room. <laughs> the, the room. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is not a Hollywood movie though. This mm -hmm. is this is British produced. Uh, uh, some of the money came from the UK Film Council, which gets its money from the lottery. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's re uh, Danny Boyle's, you know, reteaming with you know a bunch of his guys. I didn't know, uh, know that Alex Garland wrote the book The Beach. And yep. they moved on together to make this movie, which yep. neither did any of them have any experience in this genre. I don't think so. That's uh, fucking mad interesting. No, not really. They're picking up Cillian Murphy, who's basically unknown, definitely in America, but he, he's only done a couple things here and there. He's become more of a stage guy. Uh, yeah. Christopher Eccleston and Brendan Gleeson are probably the closest there to stars. And they're kind of, hey, it's that guy still. Yeah. Probably more and, recognizable if you're watching plays and TV in England. Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah, and um, what I didn't realize is I always I always thought The Walking Dead ripped this off of how do you start into a zombie apocalypse already taking place, mm -hmm. and because they both start with someone waking up from a coma in a hospital, and yeah, mm -hmm. in the hospital, and it, so The Walking Dead comes out in October '93, so it was probably already done. I mean, the story had probably already been written and drawn. He must have been so fucking pissed. The Walking Dead going like, God far. damn it, 28 days later, you did the same setup. So yeah, that, that's the setup. Uh, uh, but it's uh, perfect because if you... Makes up and, oh shit, what what the hell happened? The, the hospital's empty, I can't find anybody. And then they do, god damn, such good empty street shots done on such a budget where they just go out Sunday morning really early, just as the sun is up, and then Block traffic for a couple minutes with bikini girls. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> what? Yes, like they, they thought they like they would have more authority and people would be less angry to comply <laughs> if they yeah. had bikini women in bikinis stop like yes. holding off traffic. Like, yeah, what sexy am I watching? Women be like, could you stop for a minute for me? Yeah, and then I mean, so much that they fucking get Trafalgar Square. That's one of the only effect shots in the movie properly is Trafalgar Square, which is like. No, not Trafalgar. It's Piccadilly Circus. They get Piccadilly Circus, which is basically Times Square for mm -hmm. London. Huge billboards, tons of people. And they actually managed to shut it down just enough. And they use special effects to, to take all the lights out. Also, they were filming basically during 9-11. Wow. 
Wow. And uh, or like just after and they saw what happened with 9-11 and they went and they put in the shot of like all the missing flyers. And mm. let me tell you, in 2003, that hit really hard. I mean, that hit like, hard that for a while. That was a very, very recognizable image of like the wall of flyers of people who were missing. It's, I think it's only yeah. recently disappeared from pop culture, but that is usually how people establish an ongoing apocalypse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or it has yeah. one ever since. And that, that was smart. They went back and did that. So having, having yeah. your character miss the apocalypse is such a brilliant story taking thing it is because he's in yeah. a coma you know uh same with walking dead where it's just like we don't have to show you how the world ended right you can fill in all of that yourself we can get right to the post-apocalypse instead of the apocalypse itself and when someone does and, does tell you it has to be quickly in like two sentences because like i'm not gonna explain yeah. the last two years to you <laughs> yeah oh what what you need to know is fucking run <laughs> Yeah, and I remember that guy it was, the, the, gonna bite you fucking run. The opening sequence was so striking. I think they released it online for free ahead of the movie. Like you could just watch mm -hmm. that opening sequence because there's like not any action reveals in it. And I do want to say I know people who gives a shit running zombies suck a dick. I've seen it a, th a thousand times since then. It's fine, but I think that was it's a change to the lore. It is okay if you change any mythical creature. There's going to be some pushback because it's all pretend. And the more right. you pull away at the pretendness, the less people will want to believe in it. Like, uh, what if we have Godzilla, but now he's invisible? You know, it's not exactly okay, the same. Godzilla fans, sit down. Did I'm you sure see Shin Godzilla? Godzilla? Holy shit! Like <laughs> Shin Godzilla plays with Godzilla in a way that should have made people way more angry than running zombies, and it didn't because, like, it's interesting, and mm -hmm. you can keep there'll always be a place for your what do you the Slow moving, slow but this this movie doesn't say zombies and says it's an infection of rage, which makes it fucking crazy scarier. And and traditional yeah. zombie movies would adopt it because it's hard to go backwards. Well, and zombies are going to be so huge in video games going mm -hmm. forward that having them go fast moving makes so much sense from mm -hmm. a gameplay standpoint. And this is it. You can thank this mo movie totally. for that because if this movie hadn't broken the way of fast moving zombies. I really feel like we wouldn't have as many I'm not, I'm not sure if there'd be Hollywood interest if there wasn't a more fun way to shoot the zombies and them moving mm -hmm. fast creates more high level triple A action sequences. And by mm -hmm. the time we see American response to this, it's just incorporated uh, as if, because it, yeah, it's hard to go back, but like, you know, I saw you can watch Romero play with what a zombie is more than this movie does. So why not? I always say why not, and who cares? Because yep. the sequel of this is so good too. It is very, know, very good. It is surprisingly good. So we talked about World War Z last week, mm -hmm. which also has you know kind of fast zombies. It, it has both, but my big complaint about that movie was I didn't feel like it was about anything. Like the zombies are usually a metaphor for something, or they're the pressure that causes the apocalypse that brings something else out. And the movie is really about something else. And this is exactly what I'm fucking talking about. Yeah. 28 Days Later is not about the threat of the zombies. <clears throat> I mean, you could say it's it's about the threat of bioengineering. Hi, Ted Kaczynski. But <laughs> it, or animal testing, or irresponsible PETA members. But I think this movie, like most zombie movies, it's about the real threat are the humans. Mm -hmm. But this specifically, the real threat are men. 
Hi. Men are the problem. Hi. Just just waving. <laughs> yeah. Like other people are are a threat, but also it's about yeah, the, the breakdown of authority. You know, the the second half of the movie, they get to uh uh out in the countryside where there's like a squad of soldiers and they're like, Oh, good, these guys are trained, they know what they're doing. They are much more of a threat because they feel like they have nothing to fight for anymore. And so their CO has promised them women. And women showed up. One of them being a young girl and should not be considered um, that's some serious shit i yeah. was never expecting to see in a zombie movie yeah yeah, yeah. And, well it's end of the world situation what do you have to fight for what do you really care about what is worth mm -hmm. you putting your lives on the line out there yeah my, my cat the chance to sexually assault a random woman who showed up not up there i died so good more <laughs> my mcdonald's fraggle rock toys still in the bag i gotta uh -huh. protect those uh, yeah. cat. That's about it. Also, like so many zombie movies, they have you know like the different scenarios of what would you do, and the fact that one Naomi Harris, one of our leads, is a pharmacy student, I think, she, and her thing is drugs. Mm -hmm. She and everyone talks about oh, if something went down, I'd raid the gun store. It's like there's a lot more pharmacies, and that's where I'm going. Absolutely. What drugs would you guys steal? Because I know exactly what I would go for at the pharmacy. I'm not a drug guy, guys. I, I don't really like them. Mm. Not even oh, end of the world. No, because I'm going and stealing all the antibiotics. Ooh. Ah, uh, okay. Until they don't work That's on you anymore. Um, That's my plan. That's my plan. No, I use them to barter. Yeah. People ah. are going to need those. Yep, I'm but, stealing yeah, the that, antibiotics that... and probably Xanax. Something that will calm me down. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah. During the pandemic... I did go to the drugstore and I bought, you know, well, if things really get bad, what will I really want to have on hand? And bought, you know, Advil and a couple of other things where it's just like, I really don't want to be without a couple of these things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, we're, yep. we're still working our way through them, honestly. Yeah. Uh, grabbing antipsychotics wouldn't be bad too until, unless, in case you run into someone who really needs them. That is so vague, though. I mean, there are so many antipsychotics, and yeah. some of them can make you more psychotic. And some you're not a doctor; you can't be like, ah, uh, you need the some of them take Zeclantortica, not some of them the take time to work. Crocidone. Some of them take time to work, and we're trying to Anne Frank in this fucking building. And uh, mm -mm. anyway, anyway, but yeah. like, so yeah, I, I think that's a good call. Antibiotics, uh, Valium. That's probably the you don't yeah. try too oh, hard. You don't have the plan, knowledge base. Plan B. All right. Uh, That's good. Yeah. I'm going Morning for after pills. I will be a queen in the apocalypse on my pile of drugs. I'm going for outside the city where all the water is. That's yes. <laughs> far outside the city. Yeah. But but again, yeah, like it, it's so fantastic how like there's so many striking visuals in this movie that's made for just so little of like yeah, yeah them putting all the bins out on the roof to collect rainwater and being like fuck. But I think I give this movie credit because it took a thoughtful director to bring this B genre into something that could be screened in theaters around the globe and be a success. Because it wasn't just about the kills, you know, which I'm all all there for. I, I love watching zombie movies, uh, but like it was it was odd seeing the zombie genre kind of struggle on screen for a while. And you know, next year we'll have Hollywood's big debut. But yeah, I love it. I love Twenty Eight Days Later. I don't know why they picked that title. I think 
because there already was a 28 days. It was very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, this is true. Uh, there had to be so many people confused when they were expecting the Sandra Bullock rehab uh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> Especially and they the, got this. The poster doesn't have any people on it. What are you supposed to think? <laughs> What are you supposed to think? Oh, wow, that rehab took a turn. Uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm glad it looks like it's finally available to rent in the U.S. For I don't know what was going on with the rights, where it was hard to get your paws on for a while. I I ended up rewatching it towards the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it felt appropriate because it is technically a pandemic movie. Exactly. Technically, Which but I mean, really, there there's zombies. Did you, you ever you watch the alternative ending? No. Yeah, there's a couple that. alternate endings. What'd you think of them? Well, it's all a dream. That one's fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> there's the one that they only storyboarded that's about like replacing someone's blood could cure them, which they kind of took from uh, that Catherine Bigelow vampire movie. But uh, the, the one where it's like, well, someone dies, someone lives. Either one works for me. Yeah. Makes sense. Most of the Mo- just, Killian yeah. Murphy dies, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, it's just like, well, what are we gonna do? Keep moving. Yeah. But it's like it's a it's a I, you can't even call it Hollywood. It's made in England, but it's like a bigger budget zombie movie made with traditional zombie roots, and I just dig the shit out of that because I don't know what Danny Boyle had planned for his career. He made his big sellout feature with the beach, and it didn't go great, and. Yep. It's just interesting to think this is the way. Who would have thought this is the way to recover yourself? I, I thought Peter Jackson would have done this eleven hundred times already and hasn't. And <laughs> go back to something simpler. But twenty eight days later, man, really, really cool and a fucking great film milestone. Very recommended. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, but that's not number one at the box. And it's been out in England for a little while. So and overseas yeah. hits the shores this week twenty years ago. But it can't hold a candle at the box office to Shia LaBeouf. John Cleese, Robert Patrick, Justin Thoreau, Demi Moore, Bernie Mac, big replacement there, Lucy Liu, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, it's number one at the box office, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Newsweek proclaims, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle is the perfect encore. <laughs> you won't have more fun at any other movie. Can you dig it? Period. Rated PG-13, opens Friday. Woo! Full Throttle. That. That was the ad with the most talking in it by far, because <laughs> this movie is all visual spectacle. Indeed. Promising the, the barely clothed return of Demi Moore, who we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, and looking looking amazing. She was mm-hmm. so okay. So this movie's really stupid. Yep. And I kind of loved it. Uh, it's so it's still <laughs> fun. It's still fun. It's it's <laughs> disposable fun is how I have it written down. Like it's it's still fun. Big budget fun. It is cotton fucking candy, the movie. It is It is so of its time, too. It's. It really reminds me, we were just talking about uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, and how that has, like, cool car stuff, and then there'll be shitty CG that's really unnecessary, and it's like, <laughs> now the cars are flying. And you're like, dude, I didn't ask for that. That's This movie is 100% uh, extreme sports, uh, shots of people's butts, unnecessary musical numbers, and an absolutely unending soundtrack. If you like people fighting to prodigy, <laughs> God damn, have I got the movie for you? Uh, 
was so so stupid. It's See, so I didn't. Stupid. Now I'm feeling bad because I didn't watch this one. I watched the original Charlie's Angel movie in college, and the right. only good thing about that one, in my opinion, was all the sorority girls made the Charlie's Angel pose <laughs> uh, after that movie came out. So you're selling me on this because it sounds. Is this so bad? It's good. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a, It's not aspiring it's to like major greatness. Yeah. It's just supposed to be a fun movie with fun, impossible spy shit on a PG yeah. level. The, the first one I, I ended up really enjoying because it is also really stupid, but it does have good action. And this one is like, they've dialed up the stupid aggressively. Like, like I said, there'll just be dance numbers for no reason. There'll be parodies of stuff that does not really make any sense or hold up anymore. Sure. I, like it, they got halfway through the CSI parody before I realized, Oh, this is a CSI parody. There's a couple of those. That's just like, but why? Well, but why Why are you having a Fosse-esque dance number here? Because it's fun. Because it's fun. It's a movie living in the moment. And it's it's such like an uh, of-the-moment movie as well. Because like, just yeah. like to, to think any of these leads would sign off with a, of a Nickelback song featuring Kid Rock on the soundtrack. Like, can we get this out of here? Like, no, nah, it's just of the time. It's of 03. It lives in 03. It's beautiful. Yeah. Except for when there is a really obscure singing in the rain gag. <laughs> There's multiple singing in the rain gags, but the one of them is crazy obscure. And I was like, wait, did McG, did you just do that? For who? Who is going to get, no one's going to get that because anyone who's seen singing in the rain is probably not showing up to this movie because it's really stupid. And it's like, but. God damn, it was fun. It it really is like the action is all completely ridiculous. And all these extreme sports are overwhelmingly ridiculous with dumb CG that makes you feel embarrassed. And there's no <laughs> physics and it doesn't. The plot actually doesn't make a ton of sense. And half the people, I don't even know why the Shia LaBeouf doesn't need to be here. I don't know why a little kid Shia LaBeouf is here. And then, and then something explodes and then, then they look hot and you're like. Uh, oh, I meant, I meant play to mention song. if you didn't watch Dennis the Menace, you may have mit, missed the feature film debut of Natasha Leone, who was like no twelve as Dennis's babysitter, and then possibly as a cameo, Buzz from Home Alone shows up as her boyfriend, and it looks like there is a generation of difference between them. And when they go to make out, it was the most cr like no, no, no. There's too much of an age difference between them. Don't show me this. And they clearly did a stage thing where they touch cheeks because Jesus Christ, don't do that. Oh my God, <laughs> eighteen year old male and a twelve year old girl making out on a couch. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that yeah. was in my notes. I had to get it out. But yeah, like uh, it's not. This movie's not going to change the world. I'm, I'm, I'm not terribly sad there wasn't a third because at the time it was like. I felt it was very stupid, but I come to love these stupid of the moment action movies and ladies don't get a lot of them. And I might say the mm. same thing for something in the next segment. Uh, even if it's not timeless, like I'm glad it happened. And it, it still, it's has so many, like just Google image search it. It's fun. And you might get a gif of Cameron Diaz dancing in underoos, which is fucking amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking amazing. She, she goes to her boyfriend's 10th, a uh, high school reunion and just has her own dance number. Mm -hmm. No reason. Cause, cause and it's fun. Charlie's Angels is stupid and nobody cares about the fucking <laughs> cares about like the brand's integrity. You can do whatever you want with it. And 
Why not? Yes. We done it's, with Charlie's yeah. Angels full throttle. It, I, it is. Yeah. It, it's, it's some of the best jangling keys I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Watch it loud. Cause to me, uh, TV. No, seriously. The, the, the soundtrack never stops. It's just one song after another, after another, after another. The David and, and Bowie, everyone, MC Hammer, Electric Six. It's insane. Every one of them is completely on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Like, if there's a sexy lady on the beach, the song is going to be like, sexy ladies on the beach. It's beach like, Boys oh, Surfer Girl, because they're surfing sequences. Yep. Exactly. Oh. Um, but TV, one of my most... Infant for me, one of the most infamous nights of television ever. <laughs> uh, and that is Spike TV, the newly branded TNN, the network for men, launching its animated block with several <laughs> shows that would remain infamous for years to come. Oh, no. Well, just light mention for Kelsey Grammer's Gary the Rat, which I never saw an episode of, has no fans, who cares? But, uh, Stan Lee Stripperella? <laughs> yeah. Geez. Stan yeah. Lee uh, invented this character. Uh, which uh, played by Pamela Anderson. Uh, theme song also by Kid Rock. Is, is that how it went? Uh, Stripperella. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, I don't remember anything about this show. I'm not sure that anybody should. But it's just like the most crass. This is what chat GP. This is what AI will give you in terms of pitches. Like a network for men. We need a cartoon. <laughs> Pamela Anderson, Stan Lee, combine. It can't lose, uh, but it did. It strangely uh, so, lasted longer than any other show they launched this night. So the tagline for this TV show was stripper by night, superhero by even later night. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> as clever as this show ever gets. I mean, they do every obvious double entendre they can and there's no winking or nudging it's just that's it that's the joke i mean this this is a really bad show this is really (laughs) really bad uh the story is a joke the characters are a joke the animation is a joke the only thing that's not a joke is the jokes which are bad (laughs) and not funny um to give you an idea of how bad the voice acting is on this. I'm going to play a clip. Keep in mind, as you're hearing this, this is all one character, and they're trying to do an accent, but see how many accents this one character has. Crikey, mate. It's jolly nice to be somewhere where blokes ain't always steering and drooling at your kachoinkas. Of Vegas, the drinking, the gambling, the indiscriminate sex. What Shit the fuck? You don't play strip poker in a casino? What the fuck? Yeah. That's like <laughs> three different nationalities <laughs> of the same character. That's one character. And I don't get it. It's it's the most inconsistent accent I have ever heard in my life. It, it maybe to me, and I didn't do a lot of research on this one, people making this without a lot of experience in animation, these are normally things you hammer down and look for consistency for, especially some of this is occurring one episode to the next. <laughs> it's, it is not the days of the 80s where you can't look up shit anymore, where everybody's using computers. I don't get it. But perhaps the biggest thing, which like brought me and all my friends back into watching something together. We all watch this together. John, forget what you know now about John Krikfalewski of Ren and Stimpy fame. They, 
all we knew now is that Nickelodeon fired him. The show got less interesting. Meanwhile, as uh, now that I know the show is still fun, I just was sort of aging out of it as they kept making it. But they tell you, John K's back. This will be for adults, and he can do whatever he wants. And so for me and my friends, it was like, we will be glued to the television. We will, we will, we'll make food for everyone so we can see this. And so debuts Ren and Stimpy's adult party cartoon um, on Spike TV. And from the very first episode, holy shit, it was like, it was like, it wasn't, every one of us was like, Jesus Christ. It wasn't. <laughs> The most famous thing being uh, probably something relating to this line. What did I just tell you? Who's the pitcher? Who's the catcher? You're the pitcher and the catcher. You're the pitcher and the catcher. A wayward tongue had come in to lick Ren's bare ass, and he tells Stimpy where he stands in the sexual relationship. I'm not saying uh, it's bad to see Ren and Stimpy gay. It was jarring to see them actually have sex and come flying everywhere. Uh, that is insane. That that is insane. But it's not. John Krikfaluski did not add this detail as a message of inclusion. It's all to create the same kind of revulsion. They spend this episode kicking homeless people in the nuts, and uh, <laughs> like it's all so dirty and weird. And in, in in a pre-internet world, this show lasts three episodes before the executives are like, "We're not showing any more of this." And it is it is the last. I think it's the last Ren and Stimpy thing where they're not drawn in as kind of a Nickelodeon ensemble or appear in a video game. They've had, they've been voiced since then, but for this one, uh, Billy West decided to not be involved for some reason. <laughs> not, I can it was tell a, that is not original Stimpy. It's, it is original Ren. Uh, like mm-hmm. it is John Kay's Crick Falusi. And this is, it's one of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen. A guy who needed boundaries provided with none and gets to do exactly what he wants to do. And he ends up spinning all that out on six episodes and blah, blah, blah. Here we are now with his reputation. And I don't even know if I should play this. I won't. You can tell me what's really, shouldn't say funny. If you didn't see all the allegations of John Kay's weird relationships with underage girls, promising them careers in animation. If you buy this DVD, these special features are him standing next to his accuser and him ogling her, telling her how pretty she is and talking about the need to draw scantily clad young women while calling all the female executives he's worked for the D word bunch of like, uh, the D-Y word, Diana looks confused. I, don't, I just don't want to say it. It's not dames. Yeah. It rhymes it's with, a homophobic It rhymes slur. with bikes. Oh. So oh, he's standing one. next to his his would-be future accuser saying incredibly foul things about people who put <laughs> boundaries on him. And it turns out everybody was kind of right. John Kay is kind of a maniac. And it's on this adult party cartoon DVD, which for some reason you can still get. Um, I only did it for completionist's sake. I, I think JR said it best a couple like dozens of episodes ago. Ren and Stimpy is a dead brand that cannot really be ever be approached again because of John Kay's behavior. And it also I just think it was a moment in time. You know, it was the gross out nineties. That's really all it got going for it. It was like, look at how far we can not all okay, that's an ex- over exaggeration, but that was the hugest draw. For people like you and people like me. As a kid, yes. But what I didn't know I appreciated at the time was the approach to animation 
which was an animator's approach to animation, booting the writers out of the room. We don't care what non-animators have to say about storylines when you don't draw. So you got all visual-focused gaggery that was really appealing in Ren and Stimpy, and it has its moments here. But it's just like, good Lord, good Lord, how much did we need to see our characters do this? Like, I don't have a problem with them being gay, but I also don't really care to see them fuck on screen and argue over who sleeps in the wet spot. It seems, it mm. seems, it seems to be like a little too, too edgy, but at the time, like we were all, we thought we were all ready for that. And John Kay still shocked us to the point of revulsion. <laughs> And uh, that, yeah, that very quickly. I never mind. Done with that. Just could, I've been looking at this all year, waiting to mention it because I one of the few people who've seen all the episodes and looked at the DVD special features. Uh, a show I loved at one time, and then my love petered out. This is a show I loved via Netflix DVD rental. I never had Showtime. Yeah. I never had Showtime. Uh, the show Dead Like Me, which debuts on Showtime this week. Another one of these shows that I've heard is just wonderful and I haven't got around to it. And I see it's created by Brian Fuller and I like stuff that he does. Yeah, it's kind of unrestrained. I'm going to go to bat for it, Diana. I think it's worth a watch even 20 years later. Uh, So I got into this from the get go. Uh, 2003, you know, I'm into The Sopranos and I'm like researching it everywhere. And there's tons of forums about it. And it's like got a huge Internet presence in 2003. I get into this show, I'm like, well, just like The Sopranos, I will go online and find fellow fans of this show, Crickets. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. like no online presence for this show. That's your showtime factor. Couldn't afford it. Yep. And I was like, well, obviously, I have amazing Google Foo, so why can't I find anything? And it just wasn't there. There was no online presence, which blew my mind. And I think Chris, you're onto it. It's cause it's in the Showtime ghetto. If this yep. exact same show had been on HBO, let alone a network or a basic cable, I think it would have had a huge fan base because it's a really solid show. The mm-hmm. premise is a total slacker, you know, just doesn't care about anything. Teenage girl quits college. Mm-hmm goes to a temp agency, dies at the temp agency, and after she's dead, she finds out that now she has to work a very menial job as a grim reaper. It's Mm -hmm. not like elegant and you're not playing chess against anyone. You're going around taking the soul out of the body before it dies so the soul doesn't have to go through the trauma of death. That's it. Co-starring Mandy Patinkin and Jasmine Guy. Just a really cool fucking cast. Yeah. Yeah. And... So she's not really killing people. People will die whether they she takes their soul or not. But if she doesn't take their soul, then their soul is going to be basically tortured. There's a really dark scene where she's rebelling against it. I'm not going to do this job. Look, the guy did, died anyway. And her boss comes along and pulls the soul out of the body as it's being uh, coronered, mm-hmm. getting an autopsy. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, okay, that was not great. So... Now I have to really take this job seriously, and it tackles death. I uh, I took a uh, class on death around 2003 or 2004, and the instructor said, Americans hate death, we'll never talk about it. And I pointed out, hey, you know, there's Dead Like Me Six Feet Under. and <laughs> Six Feet Under, which are two great shows that are doing a really good job of examining death. And the instructor said, it's a blip. It's not going to last. And 
by God, she was right because <laughs> I cannot think of shows that have really explored death since Dead Like Me and Six Feet Under went off the air. Certainly not that it has stuck around in any mm-hmm. any way, not at all. And uh, again, shockingly, I was getting this di- via disc from Netflix and burning them. I still got them somewhere. And to, we have no idea what the Showtime world is like because let's be honest, nowadays Showtime is for people who just don't pay attention to their cable bill. Like, like <laughs> it's a terrible channel. Uh, but they made a movie five years later that I've never seen. Um, I I love the show. I have never watched the yeah. movie because everything I read about the movie said if you like the show, don't watch the oh, movie. Shit, it's really? not good. They don't get most of the cast. They don't get the writers. It's it's a continuation yeah. of name only, which is why I'd love it if they did a reboot. You know, get some of the principal actors back, have the gal be now in the leadership position, a new Reaper. Let's see it. There was a lot of hints at world building, but they wisely kept a lot of things a mystery. You don't know where these orders are coming from. Um, But there's a lot of humor in the show. Mm -hmm. I did. It's a small little thing. I loved what a huge role breakfast has in the show. Because like most of the episodes open with them uh, getting their assignments at the Waffle House. (laughs) And I've always wanted to, after like a 36-hour fast, go to a breakfast place and order this breakfast. Welcome into the Waffle House. What can I get you? Uh, T-bone steak and eggs, T-bone medium rare eggs over easy. I want toast instead of hash browns and hot syrup for the pancakes. And please do not skimp on the butter. And a side order crispy bacon, extra, extra, extra crispy. Drink? Lemonade. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh being the only 24-hour restaurant and a lot of sleepless nights for me i i've ordered that many times there's there, you it's that's kind of half the waffle house menu for the most part mm-hmm. a waffle house is but yeah a this delicacy. is a huge recommend for me if you have not seen it seek it out because it's i i rewatched the first episode and uh I liked it again. I think there's a lot there. I think it's worth revisiting, and I I hope it gets a reboot. It's, it's one of those rare Brian Fuller shows where he's at least on. He's involved the whole time. It doesn't change. He doesn't leave. It just. I think he might have left. Oh, did he? Yeah, well, that may have. That <laughs> That's usually a... typically how these shows uh, ends. There uh, were some controversies. Um, Rebecca. Oh yeah, he Gabe, left. <laughs> left after five episodes oh wow over creative okay. differences so rebecca gayhart one of the actresses on the Nagima girl was involved in the manslaughter of a young boy wow so ah. they were like we really need to have the person who actually killed a young child not be taking people's souls yeah. Well, there's dead, dead like me. Tell us what you because I, I like I haven't thought about it because I've had no access to it in the last twenty years, other than like my burned DVDs somewhere. Uh, moving on to video games of two thousand three, Buffy the Vampire Slayer continues to slay on systems. Uh, Wrath of the Darkhold King on GBA. I know nothing about this. Uh-uh. Uh, you know, it's a standard beat 'em up game, but I only had the thought this show. Why wasn't there ever an Angel video game? We're going after Buffy game after Buffy game. Angel ran five seasons. Angel is a private detective, which is like the third or fourth most popular profession for a video game 
protagonist to have. It seems odd in the sexist world of 2000 video games that Angel wouldn't have his own game series, but Buffy was far and away the bigger brand, more merch. Uh, eventually I'd see angel puppets on sale at Comic-Con, <laughs> uh, but like Buffy had shit uh, everywhere. We'll be talking about the puppet episodes. Yeah. Soon. And then, yeah. uh, fascinatingly, Wario World hits on GameCube. If you haven't looked, there has been a resurgence in Wario, not like this, but like 2D Wario spiritual successors this year in video games. We've talked about at least two that did pretty well critically that came out just this year, but this is Nintendo trying to take that formula into 3d. It's fucking weird. It is so weird. Wario is meant to be weird. I mean, if you had a non weird Wario game, wouldn't you complain? Yeah. yeah. It's like, he's sort of based on being distasteful, picking noses. And that's exactly what he's based on. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's, it's meant to be that, but it's from the, always from the Mario people. In this case, it's from fucking treasure, but, uh, it, I haven't played a ton of it, but it didn't come together into something that was in any way beloved or followed up on because it's a very 3D platformer approach to the Wario games, which not sure that's the best place for them. But we can talk more about where Wario fits in in the next segment because he's there again. Uh, one of the most notable games of the entire period, Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem, is out on GameCube. Ah, so this is a fascinating game. This is one of those games where... It could never be a movie. It could never be a TV show. It has to work as a game. Yeah. Because the whole draw, at least for me, of this game was that your character goes insane. Mm-hmm. And you have a sanity more, meter. You ha- so you have a sanity meter. You know, mm-hmm. in video games, you have a health meter. Here you have a sanity meter. And if your character loses sanity, weird, crazy things will happen. Uh, it'll start saying, deleting all your saved games. Yep. <laughs> you'll encounter a blue screen of death in this GameCube game as if it's a 2000 Windows computer. <laughs> and uh, they play around with that a lot. Uh, I mean, in 2023, the controls are pretty clunky mm-hmm. and the graphics are horrible. But the interesting they things they do with video games still holds up, I think. Yeah. I think they made a lot of interesting choices. And personally, I'm just a huge Lovecraft fan, and they really capture the Lovecraft vibe, as you can hear from their intro. This wretched book is where it all began so long ago, before time, before humanity. I am Dr. Edward Roivas. I am a clinical psychologist. I am also dead. (laughs) Trust nothing that I say. (laughs) But no, no, that's that's total Lovecraft pulling you in. Uh, the truth of reality is so horrible that once you learn it, you're going to be really sorry you learned it. And that's mm. what this game goes you through. It's really uh, taking you step by step through that. And the sanity meter is ingenious. I wish there'd been a sequel or a remake. They they didn't do enough with this concept. It's one and done, which is so well, rare in video games. Do a little laser time about how that happened. Uh, someone who worked with a guy, but check that one out. But also lastly, the Italian oh. job, I think also a pretty well-rated little game based on a well-rated little movie. Doesn't The, the remake movie? The remake. Oh, wait, I don't remember actually. It might be uh, yeah. a bit of both. I no, the, the remake's already out, so. Yeah, the remake's out. Um. Because I I remember there's there's an Italian job 
game based on the uh, the original movie. How do you remember that? And I because I made Michael watch the original. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was the excuse I needed. Uh, he so was to confirm, it. this yeah. game is based on the 2003 film. Mm. Gotcha. Uh, but obviously a lot more locations and whatnot. It got decent uh, reviews, but like, I don't think the brand was strong enough yet. Even I didn't know I liked the movie Italian Job until we watched it again for this show. And yeah. I really, really, really dug it. Uh, but let's leave 2003 and zip forward in our show to the 10 portion of 30 2010. Taking us out is AM 180 by Granddaddy from the 28 Days Later soundtrack. Don't go anywhere. We've got a lot to talk about when we get back. Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of June 23rd through 29th, we have some lighter fare, some fun stuff. Uh, I guess I'll start with the most hardcore thing first. Uh, turning 50 this week is a little solid neo-noir drama called The Friends of Eddie Coyle, starring Robert Mitchum and Peter Boyle, directed by Peter Yates, who did like Bullet and other cool shit. I was thinking about this a bunch when we talked about the town a couple of years ago because it's sort of the same thing of just these like low-level ass hoods in the in the Baston area trying to get some guns and you know pull off a robbery and the the title's kind of funny because uh yeah Robert Mitchum plays a low-level hood Eddie Coyle who he has no friends. <laughs> he really he he really doesn't. He's he's on his own. But you know he's trying to work with all these guys and everyone's double crossing each other and yeah solid Solid thriller, Friends of Eddie Coyle. Also 50 this week, not really a thriller. Live and Let Die turns 50 this week, the first of the Roger Moore, James Bond films. Probably my favorite with Roger Moore, even though there's a lot of stupid and deeply insensitive stuff going on in it because, well, black exploitation was popular at the time. And so that plays in a little bit. There are a couple of scenes where it's pretty clear that every single black person on earth isn't on the evil scheme. Or is just fine with it, or whatever. So, yes, James Bond versus Yafet Koto. Jane Seymour's there, where he picks her in sleeping with him and losing her psychic powers. That is some bullshit, and he owes her money. But also, uh, like the best Bond song ever? Strangely from Paul McCartney? I don't think anyone thought that was going to happen. But goddamn, that song freaking rips. And then finally, turning 60 this week from 1963 is that year's Best Picture winner, Tom Jones. No, not the What's New Pussycat guy. Tom Jones starring Albert Finney, Susanna York, Hugh Griffith, who's freaking hilarious in it, based on kind of like one of the first novels of all time uh, from 1749. It's kind of mostly a sex comedy, and it's actually pretty funny. Not a lot of comedies win Best Picture Oscar. Very, very few. And this one is a costume comedy that feels very uncostumey and unstuffy. It's actually pretty goofy and silly and just generally fun which you would not expect from a novel from 1749 but yeah tom jones totally worth a watch and oh god damn albert finney was a slice anyway that's it for this week stay classic that's good is it bad I'm so happy to fuck up the bad girl. I put 
Coming in 2013 with Bad by Whale Wale. Wale. Wow. Uh, off of The Gifted. That's bringing us into 2013. Ten years ago, where other new music releases include About That Life by Attila. Rise by Skillet. In a War Zone by Transplants. Uh, the self-titled debut of Run the Jewels. That I have heard. Uh, the Weight of Your Love by Editors. Long Way Down by Tom O'Dell. And uh, J-A-C-K by Forever the Sickest Kids. Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke featuring T.I. and Pharrell. Still number one. And will be Jesus for a long time. For a long time. A <laughs> little bit of news to bring you the world, the wonderful world of uh, uh, 2013. Kerry Washington marries football player Nam Namdi. Uh, what is it? Namdi Asimwa. Uh, I, sp- I spelled it out for you. you did you not did. just because it's hard, because it mostly because there's a G in there, but you don't actually say the G. It's Asemwa. Asemwa. And they're still together, so happy anniversary. Yeah, uh, good on them. A couple that's still together and not dead. Uh, 2013 movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they're not dead. Like, uh, what's her name? Loretta Lynn from er- earlier. They, they died. Not Loretta Lynn. Or, yeah, okay. Uh, that's fair. Uh, movies, 2013. Uh, what is it? June 23rd to the 29th. Monsters University is still number one at the box office. And I can see why, looking at these <laughs> movies. Including Redemption, a.k.a. Hummingbird. <laughs> Those are two drastically I, different titles for a Jason yeah. Statham movie. Yeah, it's a Jason seen. Statham movie. He's looking for his friend is homeless. He's got to go into the deep underbelly of some place. It's got a deep underbelly. And there's also a nun that's helping people. But he mostly he's yeah. Um, every review is just like this is just average like there's nothing new or interesting here why is this even existing this film brings to mind a quote i saw uh jason uh statham was talking about how he did his all all his own stunts and what a big man he is compared to some of his other actors who never do their own stunts and one of them said you know jason you're right so my advice to you is uh I let the stuntmen who are professional take care of the stunts because they do your job better. So when there's a really hard stunt, I let them do it. So for you, when you've got some moment in one of your films when you need to act, why don't you get an acting double who will take care of the acting portion for you? Because I think that would really help. Oh, he's no one can speak slow and gruffly like Statham. Oh, I love Statham. Oh. Mm. So good. I want to sex them up so hard. Uh, also out this week. Lucy- and that's legal now. What? what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Lucy Boynton, uh, Augustus Prue, Peter Fonda, uh, Angus McFadden, and Billy Campbell, and Copperhead. Copperhead. Yeah. Wow. So I did not know this existed because it barely got released. It cost like $12 million and it made like $171,000. Uh, and I'm kind of bummed because the, the topic is interesting, but this is the wrong filmmaker. It's directed by Ron Maxwell, who did Gettysburg and Gods and Generals. So here he is. Every 10 years, he makes a Civil War movie. <laughs> exactly. And this is actually about upstate New York and how everyone in the North was not pro-Union and not pro-war and did not want to keep this out there. So uh, those guys are called copperheads that, you know, they're uh, anti-war or they think that the south should go whatever so you know it's just fighting amongst 
fussing and a feuding of people in upstate New York about whether or not uh, the Civil War is a good idea. The reviews are all it's like, an interesting why? topic. I, I, Great but topic. Not, but it's not, not well one. done. You know? Nope. 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 It, I think it doesn't help that a, a couple reviews that I read compared it to Spielberg's Lincoln and saying, like, that's a movie that handles very complicated Civil War politics really well. This one, I did not care. Like, oh, that's bad. I'm going to so, say again, I really want a film about how Lincoln kept Kentucky in the Union. Kentucky was mm -hmm. a slaveholding state. It was thinking about joining the Confederacy. Lincoln was fighting a civil war against states that practiced slavery. And then over time, he increased his anti-slavery measures until he abolished it. How do you do that while keeping a state that practices slavery on your side? That would be such an amazing miniseries or or even just a film. Mm. So, yeah, Copperhead. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, would like a, I would like a better version of that. Yeah. Speaking of other versions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit of deja vu here. Jason Clark, Joey King, Richard Jenkins, James Woods, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jamie Foxx, and Channing Tatum. And the other White House seat is under siege movie. White House Down. Now, you ready? No, one way to find out. The perfect summer movie has arrived. You okay? Fine, okay. Tatum and Fox make a perfect team. Shoot him! No, don't shoot him! Shoot him! It's leap out of your seat. Woo! Relentlessly entertaining fun. That's President Sawyer. He has a rocket launcher. Well, there's something you don't see every day. This is what going to the movie should be. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. White House Down. PG-13. Uh, White House Down. Yeah. I love how they play up the, the comedy in this to make it seem like it's more fun. Than uh, Olympus has fallen. Then Olympus has fallen, yeah. Which, by the way, this... The White House Down outperformed significantly. Yeah. And um, White House Down doesn't have sequels. It's true. But it also eh. has larger stars who are harder to get back for sequels. Well, that's true. And I don't think you're going to get Jamie Foxx back at all now, unfortunately. Oof. Um, Oof. Yeah. Hope he's doing better. Yeah. Sounds like he's doing better. That, that's good. I don't know um, what happened yet. I just... Uh, yeah... Of course, is yeah. Again, just like the last one, yeah. This is stupid. Is it fun? Yeah, mostly. It's, it's the, really stupid. It's the Roland Emmerich, Emmerich one. Who is this? Is like the fiftieth time he's destroyed the White House. The man is not a stranger to whatever this genre is. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but because uh, they also fuck up the Capitol in this one, I was kind of made me go, ooh, a little January six on me. It's like. Oh, please don't. It also makes please don't you, fuck uh, up the Capitol. Wondered, like, who was president when you had all these movies about attacking the White House? Oh, that's is this why they're getting mm -hmm. Greenland? Um, well, I, I don't know. This one, to me, feels like it's very much pro-Obama. I mean, the not-Obama president happens to be an uh, African-American gentleman who is trying to smoke and is trying to change <laughs> and bring hope. So who yeah. could it be? Who? Mm. Um, and the evil whatever's are, are opposing him and so they're going to do a coup and yeah i i would say it's definitely pro obama insofar as they who they go there for who some would reason. of all presidents we've had in recent memory have be able to enact the coolest movie were the white house to be overtaken come on let's we can at least <laughs> agree on that he'd be the coolest action hero he, he quit That's true. He, he quit I, quitting I smoking yeah, he'd be yeah. fine. I, I can see him, you know, picking up Buster Lincoln and throwing him at guys. Sure. Yeah. 
riding, even riding away on a bike. Like none of the other presidents <laughs> could do as fast as, as President Obama. Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to recommend it. I think you guys ended up recommending the other one because it's just it's fun and stupid. I'm blaming a power outage. I didn't get to see it. But Anyone else? I didn't watch Fair? it either. Oh, Sorry. good. Okay. Good. Let's move yeah. on to the movie. Fair enough. The movie. Like, I I'm almost recommending it just because like yeah, it's fine. It's just big and dumb and action. Like it's yes. I, I it is I feel like it's wrong for me to recommend Charlie's Angels full throttle because of how stupid and fun it is to not also recommend White House Down, which is also stupid but fun. I think yep. well, I think I'm trapped. There are varying degrees of stupid and fun. And the next movie mm. is good, stupid, and fun. Uh yep. Bill Burr, Thomas Wilson. Oh, so good to see Biff and something. Uh Taryn Killam, Michael Ripapapur. Um Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock in The Heat. What have you got? Drugs, black market, and prostitution. You'll be working with a new partner. Watch me, maybe you'll learn something. Surprise! How many porns have been made on this couch? It is crucial that we catch these guys. It's also crucial that you stop wearing this stupid barrette. Just move on. DEA, drop it! What the hell is that? I'm an albino, so I look like a bad guy. No, no, that's yeah. not. It's not what we yeah. are. The heat. Put it there. <laughs> ah. You just make it odd. Radar. Ah, the heat. What have you got? Wait, oh, just saw this. I think it's streaming on Max. Uh, I thought I'd yeah. seen it before. I'm still not sure. <laughs> I might have picked it so, up through osmosis. How long do you think it was between the filming of this film, the heat, and the previous? Uh, female law enforcement film. I'm trying to think oh, of what that would be. Fuck. One of those with Bette Midler or something. I mean, well, are we counting her own miscongeniality movies? No, that's is that like it's a buddy, a buddy. Oh, like a, two, a, a two, two women, females, two women. Wow, I'm, I can't even uh, think of what the other one was. Law enforcement. I'm afraid to ask. Feds in 1988. Wow. Oh my! So Twenty-five yeah. years between that film and this film, and when this film was being uh, shopped around, it was called "Untitled Female Buddy Cop Comedy." <laughs> that's that's what it got sold under. That's that's all they had to do because there there are almost no female buddy cop comedies yeah. other than this one if you want it this is yeah, it there's like three congratulations i i hope you like it it's all you're gonna get well that's that's what i thought was entertaining about it, it i think the cop buddy cop genre i want to say dormant it was still happening it just wasn't really moving the needle at all and and the casting here is what makes this movie interesting also the hard r which i never really got to a part where like what Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock are doing or saying is a hard R, but the way people get murdered in this movie, like that is fucking <laughs> violent. I did not think I'd see Michael McDonald headshot a dude, uh, <laughs> mm. like straight on camera does not pull away. Oh, oh, there's like a blood spray on one of them. Yeah. yeah serious it's... fucking violent. Like yeah. it, it reminded me of pineapple express of like, this is really fun. And then punctuates with like very, very real violence. Uh, Fun. Yeah. I had, good. I thought this was fun. I I, I was yeah, happy no, to it see it. It gets its R from language, and it's it's just the number of fucks that they say. Yeah. It's not even like they get too disgusting about things. See, that always feels like a cheat to me. It's like yeah. if you're gonna do 
are have it be for something other than the f word you know exactly mm-hmm. i call yeah, it i call it the, I Rush, the rushmore principle mentioning rushmore yeah. again in the i guess show. there's some I get a couple references to things but yeah overall um i'm just i'm sad to look at sandra bullock's filmography and realize i think this is her most recent comedy appearance mm. i mean she's done uh she did the voice in minions and she's actually a lot of fun there but oh my god she's so good at physical comedy right. and i want her to do that forever that's when she's at the end of the movie where she's had a knife stuck in her leg but she's still trying to chase the bad guy was so funny that's that's what this movie helped remind <sighs> me of because sandra bullock just you know sort of held a laugh is like our a-list actress and a part of my brain goes for things i don't like or see but she's <laughs> incredibly gifted comedically and it's a Paul Feig movie and I don't know how much he's improvising, but I bet she has some chops and it feels really relaxed and holy shit. She, why don't, why didn't she, this made so much, this made more money than white house has fallen and cost half the amount. Yeah. Like why didn't she do more stuff like this? And uh, yeah, Melissa McCarthy, they, this is a movie where she works for me. I really like her. Uh, I think she's really funny and they're great to play off one another because they end up getting enough fucks in there, even though the, main character refuses to say that word throughout most of the movie as part of her personality. Mm-hmm. They still get yeah. the fucks in there. I know it's such a, it's a bummer that yeah, immediately they looked at, could we do a, a sequel? And I, Sandra Bullock just said, no, she mm. didn't want to. And that, that yeah. was the end of that. I, I don't, yeah, I mean, they have, you, they, they have really good chemistry. Her character is really fun. At first I was like, is this, is she going to be like her character from Miss Congeniality? It was like, no, she is ridiculously rigid but also a know-it-all, but also right all the time. And sad. And just like, <laughs> she looks like so physically uncomfortable. All the time. She's so, she's literally tightly wound. Like she physically looks like she is tightly wound. And then she just starts to, you know, relax over time. Me, well, Melissa McCarthy is just being like the worst cop ever. Never seen anyone more <laughs> relaxed in my life. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, she's a terrible cop that, beats people yes threats to shoot their dicks (laughs) (laughs) yes but it's still it's i just from the gender swap alone i think it's proof like this is interesting this is worth watching and has enough funny moments to be revisitable 10 years later yeah i was i I was so pleasantly surprised yeah that was like you know i thought it'd probably be okay or watchable and it's like i had a ton of fun i want more movies like this it's like why can't you just take male buddy cop movies and just star women yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, just it. It, it's the only thing that like it makes this movie super stick out, and it, it made me realize how little of these I participated in in the twenty thirteen in the twenty tens. Uh, I didn't see a ton of these types of movies. I was kind of done with them, and yep. I kind of wish I'd seen this in theaters, cause, given how much I love Bridesmaids. But well, uh, it's it sounds like it's a good one to pick up on DVD or Blu Ray because it has oh, an actual I'm... audio commentary, an audio commentary from the obnoxious Boston family. Which is, is fucking great. Which is Who great. Who are hilarious. Is that and, like uh, and, one of the Cordrys and, and Bill Burr and Michael Rappaport? Yeah. And, yeah. And they all Span think that their sister's a rat. Possible. Who yeah. arrests their own goddamn brother? Are you a knack? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, are you a knack? Are you a knack? <laughs> but there, there is, on the official DVD, there is a Mystery Science Theater track hey. commentary. Oh, see, I've always thought more shows should do that. With the actual they, Mystery yeah. Science team? Yes. Why? How did I not know this? Oh, yep. God damn it. That's right, because Paul Feig is like, was casting them in Freaks and Geeks. He's a massive fan. Uh, yep. 
Yeah, Trace Ballou was a voice of a robot in the last show he did for that streaming service that doesn't exist. But the heat, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, if I'm going to revisit this incredibly tired formula, at mm-hmm. least shake it up a little bit. And they did. And they did. It was fucking interesting. Yep. Uh, almost all of it. All right, I guess moving on to 2013 TV, uh, June 23rd to the 29th. it? That is the title of a show that debuts on ABC. I have no idea what it's about other than, did, you know. Did you ever play the game How to Host a Murder? No. No. Uh, you get a little box. You'd assign everyone a role, like you're the gardener, you're the millionaire, you're the mistress, and then you host a dinner party and as you host the dinner party you talk about various clues that you get and you try to solve a murder that's what this is as a reality television show they're all in a house each episode someone is murdered and they have to solve clues to try to solve it as a reality tv show but how to host a murder was a really fun game if you get a bunch of theater geeks together they just go all in (laughs) <laughs> I do not doubt. Uh, yeah, nah. not seen it, but I did see the Venture Brothers <laughs> episode. Spanakopita! Spanakopita! I literally had no idea there was a food titled that, even though I had eaten it before. <laughs> and now I can't. <laughs> oh man, I cannot Come see on, it Trader on. Joe's. Those little frozen triangle. Oh, they're awful. Uh, Spanakopita from Trader's. Oh, they're so good. I used to just eat them for dinner. I mean, I, I can eat it. I go to a Greek restaurant. I will order Spanakopita. Spanakopita, which I just screamed <laughs> just, because of this episode. Just because of this episode. Oh, <laughs> such a good premise. <laughs> Spanakopita. That's why I'm calling, is I can't put a finger on it, but something just seems downright fishy about this operation. Let it go. Uh, how's that? Whatever you're thinking, just let it go. But they're shifty. Uh, they're sneaking around all hours of the night. <laughs> I, I don't know where this ends, but the, I love the premise of the episode because I love it when they lean into Dr. Venture's past as a Johnny Quest style traveling yep. boy with real action heroes. But he came to this, I don't know, Greek-esque island and they told him they had a holiday called Spanakopita and the whole town no. keeps it up. Yeah. Well, no, they took him hostage yes. to ransom him to his rich dad, <laughs> yes. and his rich dad never came for him. So they felt really bad about it. So they just pretended it was part of Spanakopita. Spanakopita. <laughs> a holiday that does not exist, but he comes back. And then 20 years later, when uh, Rusty Venture returns on holiday, mm-hmm. they think, hey, this is a great opportunity to milk this rich American. So they just. <laughs> Bring up a holiday on the spot. And honestly, I would love to do that. I would love to do most of these Spanakopita I mean, activities. There are thousands of cultures that do this and make money <laughs> off of traveling whites. The running of the goats. I want to do the <laughs> yeah. running of the goats. Mm. Sponge diving. <laughs> uh, yes. Also this week, a show I'm fascinated by, but not enough to watch. Under the Dome debuts on CBS. One of the Stephen King, I believe, Stephen Mm -hmm. King adaptation, but also like a recent Simpsons movie plot uh, turned into a real dramatized show about a town that is bedomed. uh, Trappuccino. It's a good idea. It's all about, you know, what would happen if you're just completely cut off from uh, the rest of the world? You know, how, like we were talking about the apocalypse and uh, technology. 
we need glasses, Diana. You know, what mm -hmm. do we do when there's no glass manufacturer within our small town because it's cut off by the dome? How yeah. are we going to survive? What are we going to do? And it's a great concept. Uh, as I understand it, the first season is pretty solid. And then it just kind of really goes downhill fast. Yeah, that's what yeah. I heard. And uh, how are you going to sustain this premise for multiple seasons? I'm not watching this 25 episodes a year thing. What I was very happy to watch, very happy to watch, and I love that I got to fact check this, uh, Mickey Mouse, the debut of the Paul Ruddish shorts, uh, that debut, some of this is listed as 2012, and then I had to remember, I was there, I was there at D23 for the big unveiling of this show, and it was the only place I've ever been where this many arguments over what Mickey Mouse should and shouldn't be had occurred. But Disney had made the incredibly strange decision to, in hindsight, to make short starring Mickey Mouse, despite Mickey Mouse not really starring in a short since 1953. He'd been in other things. He'd been in uh, Christmas Carol and Prince and the Popper but never as Mickey Mouse for the most part. And he's always a side character or teaching you your ABCs and to eat your vegetables or introducing things on the, like to ha have a character that famous and never use him for 50 years, really uh, for anything substantial feels weird. And I want to say Warren Spector helped kick this off, like wanting to make Mickey bring him back to his kinetic, playful character. And these shorts are awesome. They are very, very good. And because Disney is fucking weird, this debuts online. You could see them online and in, in certain apps. And then it debuted on Disney Channel, but like not, I think, at any concrete time slot. And then slowly got seasons and would... But these shorts are so good. And I'm sure you've seen one by now. I like to watch um, Duck the Halls, the Christmas special, the half hour episode every year. It is a fucking amazing animated special. I love the Halloween one it's where so they good. are not afraid to get dark. No. I mean, that is like zombie goofy is like as scary of the main trio as I can think any of them have ever got it. Duck the Halls also <laughs> has like Ren and Stimpy sensibilities. It is, it is, it is pure fun. And like this corporate icon since world war two, the company had been pretty afraid to, cast him as the star of anything, doing anything very interesting. He's almost always a side character. I'm talking about Mickey fucking Mouse. And he was always more valuable as a icon. mascot than yeah. he was as a character. As a mascot, he has to be bland and do nothing. As a character, he has to do something. Mm -hmm. And that's what these shorts do. They have him do things. He gets mad. He yells. And it's always with that, you know, Mickey Mouse level of uh you can understand why he's getting mad at this but they let mickey get mad in the first place which is not something yes. you would have expected and and, and break <laughs> things and make bad decisions and it's also the first time usually mickey is the same voice across the board i think here he is what's his name the guy who played mo in the three stooges movie <laughs> uh chris <laughs> stamatopoulos let's see so a uh, great he was the guy who founded internet radio on a. Uh, Silicon Valley, funny, really funny guy. And oh, that guy, yeah, yeah. Um, you've seen him in a billion things and Arrested Development and such. And but it was the first time Disney went against its Mickey is the same across the board because you still have children's albums and a preschool show 
where Mickey is, has a different voice, but everybody else is the same and it's awesome. Even Alan Young got to be in there. And this credits it with 2012, but I was at D23, the Disney convention this week and the arguments of people like, he's too off model. That's not the Mickey. I know it's closer to classic Mickey, but I don't know anything about classic Mickey. You don't know anything about classic Mickey because you haven't gone back to bother to watch classic Mickey. He's <laughs> awesome. But it didn't matter because like this slowly supplanted Disney became fine with it, and this this cartoon is pretty ubiquitous. You can see it. You can see these for free on YouTube anytime you want. Disney Plus is a great show. The the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse. If you haven't seen it, your kids will love it. You will love it. It is undeniably funny, and it is concluding almost ten years to this day uh, with Steamboat Silly, a show where Mickey <laughs> Mickey discovers his original form. He's animated like the Steamboat Willie character, and then they start multiplying. But it's because of this show, it is the only time Mickey has had a ride in a Disney park. That has never really happened. He's been in costume hosting things, but there, it, Diana, the great movie ride, <laughs> replacing mm -hmm. the Singing in the Rain animatronic, is now this fantastic, this version of Mickey on a runaway train. It's such an awesome fucking ride, and people love it. So I, don't, I hope it's not over. But they say that the this animation style has concluded almost 10 years to the day with Steamboat Silly next month. Uh, I hope there's more to come because it is enchanting. And again, most of them are really short and super fun. Uh, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. We get. I never thought we'd talk about anything with Mickey Mouse. That, uh, <laughs> so good. And a hard pivot over to the season six finale of Mad Men in care of. Oh, mm. I think someone's going to pitch the Hershey account and then they are then change their mind and tell the truth. And it is like the most uncomfortable I've ever been watching Mad Men. <laughs> there are <laughs> lots of uncomfortable times watching Mad Men. Mm -hmm. My this, God, that seems amazing. Yeah, this is such a great episode because it does so many curves at first you think this is the episode where dawn is going to leave new york to go to la and then it's the episode where dawn gives up drinking and then it's the episode where uh dawn loses his job and it all flows naturally and all makes perfect sense one of the things i really love about television as a long form narrative device is we start out with the early seasons of Mad Men and Don drinking really doesn't have any negative effects on him. Mm. He's just drinking and smoking. He's and naturally unlikable. And it's mm. got that cool vibe to it. But over six seasons, season by season, you see it having more and more of a negative effect on him. You know, it's fairly easy to not be affected by alcohol in your 20s. Mm -hmm. But Don's in his 40s by now. And you can really see it taking its toll on him. And that's one of the great things uh, about long form storytelling. You know, I'm I'm still at an age younger than Tony Soprano was in his in final appearance on television. But I am now older than Don Draper wow. was in his very last episode of Mad Men. Well, <laughs> yeah, at least you have. <laughs> Only thinking of myself here, but at least you have something to resemble his life. Whereas, oh boy, what am I doing? Holy shit, <laughs> baby, baby needs a four hundred one k. The plan. important question is: Can you drive a stick? No, no, no. I have... <laughs> you fools! Yeah, you're Pete Campbell's. That's what you are. <laughs> oh, I love Pete yeah, Campbell. Yeah, Pete, Pete gets set up to drive, but he doesn't know how to drive a stick. 
And so yeah, he puts I've, it in reverse and trashes the place. <laughs> I've tried multiple times. So one time I was working at a car dealership and uh, mm. one of the salesmen took me out on a stick and he was just like, all right, we're finally going to teach you. You're finally going to learn. Uh, it was used, of course. And who boy, do I not envy whoever ended up buying that? Because I just <laughs> jerked oh, the no, no. crap I, out of that. I know yeah. I've done it. I've done it before successfully. And then I tried it in my buddy's Jeep. And that stick shift is like, four feet long and the clutch <laughs> goes down like two feet and it like this already didn't feel natural i hadn't done it enough and that felt like i never want to do this again i'm just never doing this again never and i didn't <laughs> uh but Ma madman again my my history with it was like catching up with it on netflix and then like not being able to remember where i was <laughs> and just like every episode <laughs> description sounds the same i've not seen i saw up to season six not the end of season six Oh, oh, it's great. Oh, it's so I am almost done with my first rewatch of the series. I uh, watched it as it was coming out in real time. Never really did much of a rewatch, except I think I watched season one or two twice, something like that. But for the very first time, I'm going episode by episode and I'm in the home stretch right now. And it's better. You know, there were so mm -hmm. many characters w w watching in real time who I was like, I don't remember you. Why are you here? What are you doing? But on my rewatch, one after the other after the other, it's like, oh, I remember you now. And yeah, it helps that I've I've seen it uh, 10 years ago. But uh, it's a great rewatch show. If if I were to ever do another podcast like uh, Talking Terrific Television, where I covered every episode of The Sopranos. I'd love to tackle every episode of Mad Men. It is yeah, such a dense. dense, complex show. And no one's done a great post-show podcast on it. Yeah. There were a couple of podcasts as the show was coming out. No one has done a complete run of the series. As, as, a, as a fan, some it was too complicated to catch up on. Like, because yeah. yeah, it is it is an adult ass show for adults. And I don't feel I still don't feel like a lot of that is being made now. Maybe I don't know. Mm -hmm. Shit's all stratified. But we knew what we were watching it, this week. Session an adult ass show for adults? Yeah. 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 Yes. Because it's like, I don't know. Because I also saw a bunch of young people going apeshit for, for the whole thing. And it's still, you know, it's has a lot of big short DNA. And like, I almost know everything that they're talking about. But I'm still kind of lost sometimes. Uh, I don't understand all that they're talking about. But yeah, secession probably would count. I hope it's not over. I hope they're, they're pulling a fast one on us. Because the whole show was leading up to the, the thing that happened in the last season, and then it just ended. Anyway, moving on to a TV movie miniseries. Agnes Bruckner, Martin Landau, Carrie Elways, and Anna Nicole. Oh, Anna Nicole. Yeah. So, yeah, the Anna Nicole Smith story, a TV movie for a lifetime. This concerned me until I saw it's directed by Mary Heron who directed Notorious Betty Page, oh. which is fantastic, and American Psycho. Wow, what? <laughs> and I'm so bummed that the reviews were bad because, like, after Notorious Betty Page, she's the perfect person to make a movie about Anna Nicole Smith with some sympathy and gravitas to it, and I guess it didn't, it didn't work out. Yeah, I, I think there's a great story there. This isn't it, but, you know, mm -hmm. she, she was, like, regarded as one of the most beautiful women in the world. And she still died alone, you know, with mm. almost no one caring about her. Mm. And yeah. it's, it's a tragic story that I think could really be done well. 
Yeah. And it's such a strange story. It is just so strange. How does this person become famous as looking like, you know, a parody of what a hot person <laughs> looks like? Uh, and then, yeah, marrying the millionaire who's a billion, billion years yeah. old. Right. I and mean, she's like, I, I, he just showed up and asked me to pick out a ring. I thought we were buddies. And I was like, what? Not this wasn't your idea. And then his kids are involved. His kids are all older than her. It's, oh, yeah. It it's still so amazes strange. me that Anna Nicole married a billionaire and received nothing after oh, really? he died. Like, she, no, she lost mm -hmm. money. She had to pay a bunch of the other side's legal fees. And uh, yeah, that just seems amazing that that would happen. Like, it's also amazing that her court case went to the Supreme Court. What? The yeah. Supreme Court decided her case. Mm -hmm. Parts yeah, of it there were some issues in it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you think it, it, when you inherit money from a billionaire, you just pay people to go away. Yep. But they wouldn't. Well, what? It yeah. A, it's I, generational wealth involved. Yeah. Well, so, but you, you have so much. Most yeah. people, you can buy most well, people for like 100 grand. And Come on. I don't know. It might be also they just, oh, this is the woman that killed our dad. Mm. Well, your dad she was definitely it. on his way out. But uh, right. I would say more that like... I'm not saying that's uh, accurate, but people think that there way. are legal retirements based on being the lawyer for a long drawn out battle over billions. So uh, yeah. a lot of reasons mm. to take that risk. Anyway, anyway, let's move on to games of 2013 because this is really fun for me. <laughs> the Ouya is released, and I love the way JR what? has it. Uh, the Ouya Diana, the first ever, I think, kickstarted game console. This was Good. one of the most successful Kickstarters of all time. Mm -hmm. And all of its critics were like, what are you guys doing? You're throwing money at these people. Uh, you have no idea if they're going to be able to deliver the hardware. And oh, Lord, was this like a disaster. This is like oh. there should like, have you seen the Tetris movie? No, but I've no. seen parts of it. Oh, it's good. It's worth a watch. It's it's really interesting at seeing how some aspect of a video game could become successful. This is the reverse. This is how you can just get millions and still be one of the biggest bombs of all time. Well, because this it, it was no no no. It, it just it like I think be, being in the games industry when this happened, it was more of like they even had like a title like free the games. It you were just buying Android infrastructure for the most part and yeah. downloading games like you would on any existing phone, but you were able to free up the environment away from people who were stealing the lion's share of game revenue. So and as a place, you're championing this as a place for IP and creators to thrive in a way to get cool, to, and then also a way to get admittedly very cool games in your home that you can play with multiple people. I saw... The, the launch games you have listed as Shadow, Shadow Gun, Super Crate Box, Towerfall was in arcades and a huge success. A, an instantly understandable eight-player game experience that, you know, a lot of game companies like, we don't offer eight players or we can't do that. And this would take $200,000 for you to get certified. Like, no, we just have quicker, dirtier games. I think this, I'm glad it happened. And I think it had to happen. It had to fail to show why it was like, you are just an Android in a box that people have on a TV. You are not your own unique thing. Anybody could do this anytime by hooking numerous devices up to their TV. But I don't, I, I there, but still it felt like more than that. I think from the people who pushed it, 
get inexpensive games in your home, playable in HD uh, on, on a TV. And it sort of did that, but I think they're like, we're going to get in Best Buys and GameStops and like, I don't know how you make this look as good as the latest, <laughs> what are we at, PS... Yeah, I guess this the is PS4, going up against the PS3 right now. That's the what PS, it's The up PS4 against. and Xbox One will be out in a few months, so... I mean, next soon, we're going to be talking about GTA V mm-hmm. that is going to be released on the PS3, and that's what this little dinky thing is competing against. Mm-hmm. And... The real draw was to pirate every game from your childhood. That's what JR has listed <laughs> as the unofficial launch games, an open-ended thing you could hook up to your TV. And pi- that is still appealing. <laughs> like uh, you still, I think Amazon has some options, but it's still hard to buy one of those to hook up. You have to, yeah, you either have to jailbreak a priceless heirloom like the NES classic or uh, know something about a Raspberry Pi. But the Ouya, yeah. like, I was about to say, <laughs> Raspberry Pi and emulators. Maybe. I mean, yeah, but there's still like not really an official thing that you can do that with. Yeah. And... Diana, the problem is if you buy a Raspberry Pi, you sign a contract in which you promise you will never stop talking about Raspberry well, Pis. Look, you never hear me talking about it. I have several now. And they sell them in Target, so goddamn, you can pirate like almost the entirety of gaming history on something the size of a credit card. It's hilarious. But see, conversely, hey, this is probably a good example. Wario, 10 years after the fact, Game and Wario for Wii U, a game that would imply it's part of the Wario micro games universe, which it is not. It was, hmm. I, not? I mean, it's 12, six, like it's 16 mini games as opposed to like 50 to 100. Uh, uh, micro games and kind of Wario has its fa- his face slapped on it. And from what I read briefly glancing at it, it was supposed to be something that may have been pre-installed on the Wii U because yeah, they're like light micro games the whole family can enjoy. And if you compare the price of buying this game in a Wii U to an Ouya, I think that's what they were going for. If you want to play micro games with your family, there's a cheaper option than paying $300 and then $60 a pop to do that. This game alone might show the, the need, the, the desire behind the Ouya, but it, more well, than anything, it's just a failed Nintendo game. It's a failed Wii U game mm-hmm. because this is their attempt to say, hey, look how desperately you need the gamepad for this game, right? Right? And it's just like not interesting, not engaging. The gamepad was a huge mistake. And if Nintendo can't make the gamepad work, who can? What is all the other developers going to do? Yep. Spoiler alert, nothing. Abandon the platform in droves. And yep. <laughs> port what they but, can uh, with little I, consideration for the gamepad. I loved Wario games because when the Wii was the new hotness, I got the Wario Shake. game for the Wii, and that was perfect. I mean, I think that was my best adult video game party time because I pulled it up. We passed around the Wii remote. We played a bunch of little games. Each cost like 10 seconds and it was perfect. And this just doesn't have that match. I mean, that's, there was something also to having a Wii at launch where it was the closest thing I've been to, to like having a newborn baby. Oh my God, I had no idea. Can I come over and see it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. You can see my Wii. Uh, but yeah, there's a good newer WarioWare game out that's truer to the series. Um, but it doesn't say WarioWare, but they were implying that. Uh, anyway, moving on. Company of Heroes 2 is out on PC. Uh, so, 
This is a fantastic game. It's a strategy game, real-time strategy, uh, except it's World War II, but you're playing the Soviets. And that is a great choice to make because eight out of every 10 German soldiers who were killed in World War II were killed by the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's big. It was a huge, huge reason they got defeated. They, they fought with a massive body count. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, God. oh yeah. You yeah. can make the strong case that winning World War II crippled the Soviet Union for the rest of its existence because they just threw so many bodies at it that when it was over, their demographics were horrible. They didn't have a, a really good base to try to be a superpower on because so many people were dead and rotting and destroyed homes and all that stuff but this game it's good but it's not a fun topic to handle you know if you're playing a gi you can have the sense of oh i'm gonna go home and i will eventually win america (laughs) drink and be mean to my wife live in the suburbs you Mm -hmm. play the soviets it's like well i hope after i win this i don't get sent to the gulag yeah yeah, yeah, very true, very true, um, and it's a it's a perspective I've seen other people tackle, but very few uh, war games bother to tackle. And the game actually got banned in Russia for being too, too much of a anti-Soviet. <laughs> um, it it did, you know. It's 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 a hard thing to tackle because. The Soviet Union defeating Nazi Germany is a happy ending because Germany planned to kill half of Russia and enslave the other half. That was their plan. That was what they were fighting for. So they got to survive, but they got to survive by being ruled by a horrible, brutal tyrant who also mm-hmm. killed tens of millions of them. Mm-hmm. Man, and Yay. here's a bummer for mm-hmm. me 10 years ago. Like I never seriously came up with a video game pitch except for a few times and didn't get very far with it but i was working for a publisher who had ties to marvel and i thought like the perfect character for any game would be deadpool um he's a perfect modern game character in his fourth wall breaking nonsense but also that like his goal is really to save a bunch of people but to kill them in the most fun way imaginable which is why most people play games so we don't have to lie about anything and create an earth ending event or to to make a relatable psycho deadpool's already way over and Shocked as I was, they already had that in development. And dead, the Deadpool game, which is, I think, come and gone several times, but is still available. I should check on that. Deadpool, a really fun game from um, Activision and uh, High Moon. Like, I think one of the few Marvel characters to get their own solo games in the last 10 years. Like, it, it just has not happened that much, despite Marvel's unwavering success in other mediums. Uh, but yeah, the Deadpool game keeps becoming available because there's not a lot out there if you're a Marvel fan. Pinpointed kind of the apex of, uh, what did you call it? Oh, I, why am I losing the words? Uh, with Day of the Tentacle, the apex Graphic of adventure games? Graphic adventure games. And this week we see Leisure Suit Larry Reloaded, which is, a, I think, a remake for... Um, it was a Kickstarter remake. So yeah. we're in the age of the Kickstarter video games. This and the Ouya are really showing that Kickstarter is going to be a factor in what games are going to get made. And basically, Al Lowe, the creator of Leisure Suit Larry, was like, hey, Leisure Suit Larry fans, let me remake the one you love the most with modern graphics and voiceovers, the first one. 
And they did that. And there's all these like Kickstarter backers in the game. Mm -hmm. Like you'll go into the bar at the start of the game and it's filled with cartoon versions of Kickstarter backers. And it's like, okay, I kind of get what you're going for. But there was an episode of like 30 Rock where uh, Jack Donahue is like oh, making yeah. this horrible television show, but it still makes money because people call in to say how bad it is. And he's like, this is perfect. This is, it doesn't matter if still it's watching. good. It's just making money. <laughs> it's like, it's like the idol right now. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it is fun to talk about 10 years on the Kickstarter model and how that works because one of my favorite things about it and this is from working in a publisher you as a fan get to take on all the risks and or rewards of a game publisher and at the time that was like 50 50 <laughs> is this game going to be great uh going to see a return on your investment 50 50 it's 50 50 yeah. and uh but if for people who wanted it that bad you got it leisure suit larry reloaded and there were some up uh res graphics as well as some improvements in the gameplay itself they did the genius move of making it so that if you died you instantly rewound back before you died because hey. sierra game adventure games were known for you died uh have fun reloading your game again and again and again which isn't fun it just interrupts the nope. gameplay it interrupts the flow so this lets you have the funny comedic deaths but then you're put right back in before you did the stupid thing that killed you mm -hmm. uh and then one well no no rogue legacy for for windows man this is one of those games like i sort of shit on the sequel on a podcast and I got rightfully yelled at and tried it. And I just, one of those moments where like, everybody is right. Rogue legacy <laughs> rules. I'm sorry for sitting on it and saying it looked like a new grounds game. It was, a, it was one of my, the second one was one of my favorite games of the previous year or two. Uh, but the first one comes out 10 years ago for PC. And this is me getting into kind of the indie game scene because yep. this is, I bought it simply because I love the concept. The whole point of the game is, you know, like, uh, in stories, it's like, ah, Dracula killed your father, so you're coming to avenge and try to take on Dracula. It's that in video game format, because every time you die, your descendant comes yeah, back 20 scene. years later <laughs> to try to defeat the big bad. Yep. And your descendant is literally your descendant, and they can have genetic traits that affect gameplay. Like, your descendant could be colorblind, so now you're playing in black and white. Uh, your descendant ah. could suffer from giganticism. So now you're bigger and easier to hit, but you're stronger. And little things like that just kind of really introduced the gameplay. There was a awesome. mini controversy when they announced that one of uh, the traits your descendant could have would be you could be gay. And <gasps> people were like, well, how is that going to affect my gameplay? What is going to be the effect on how I swing my sword? Nothing. It was just a word on the screen. Mm -hmm. okay. It's just just enough to incense a couple people in the Game Facts forums. Uh, but here's to you, <laughs> Rogue Legacy, and your um, legacy. Uh, 2013, <laughs> 2013 books. Uh, we got one, Joyland, by Stephen King, <sighs> up against his own Under the Dome show. How dare he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> King does an amazing job at coming of age stories. But he recognizes there are multiple times in life when you come of age. There's coming of age as a young kid. There's coming of age as being a teenager. And there's coming of age as being a young adult. Mm -hmm. And this is set. A guy has just graduated college, isn't quite sure what he wants to do with his life, 
So he takes a job as an amusement park uh, to kind of kill time. If someone could just hit a home run on the adaptation of this, I think it would be up there with Stand By Me oh. slash The Body or The Shawshank Redemption. Hmm. It, it is King handling a stage of life in an amazing way. And it would be one of those movies where you go see it and you'd be like, whoa, the Shawshank and Stand By Me was made by Stephen King. Really? It would be that, <laughs> that similar. Yeah, that's uh, Gosh. high praise. I hate to steamroll over it into the plugs. <laughs> Baby's hungry. And uh, we're going to tell you yeah. who, who died and have a little quiz you can play along with in a second. Uh, but let me get some plugs out. Patreon.com slash laser time. Help support this show. Get extra stuff. Bunch of extra stuff coming to you next week. Thanks to the bottleneck of having no power finally uh, going out for recording some stuff. JR and I are super excited to talk, just have a real long discussion about AI. Go ahead and tease that. I would love to do that as soon as we can, because good Lord, is that fun to talk about. Um, and uh, Video Game Apocalypse, uh, every Friday, um, we talk, we try to do our, the not E3 wrap-up, the thing that happened that wasn't quite E3, and this week we'll have a little bit more of a normal show for you. Uh, I pitched to Michael, because of the Ouya, what are... What are the five failingest game consoles of the last 10 years? Because most people would never embark on such an endeavor, but crowdfunding changed all that. And mm. we've had several attempts, so let's see if we'll take it. I'm teasing something that may never exist. Uh, anyway, uh, Diana, where can folks find you at? Well, they can find me on the Twitter at ListeningNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast coming up next week. Wow, we had one whole week off from talking about Arnold, and now <laughs> he's back. And the machines are rising. And oh, I love it. Chasing stuff and shooting at things. Yeah. The last and good Terminator. He's going head-to-head -head with Reese Witherspoon coming back as Legally Blonde. It's <laughs> such a strange, strange thing. It's but the Oppenheimer Derby of 2003. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, I have friends who are threatening a double feature of that just so we don't have to decide. And like, I, I might do a double feature. That's also my birthday. Oh, so, shit. Ooh. I, yeah. I might do a double feature just because it seems so silly and I like doing silly things. Well, what order? What order do you do? That's Ooh. Yeah, I say I'm you not... start out with Oppenheimer. Yeah, start out with a three and a half hour movie and then with right. the, light, the lighter fare. Anyway, next week we also have um, maybe the best legal thriller that I don't think has a courtroom scene in it, but boy, Ooh. does Tom Cruise run a lot. Hey, I know what this <laughs> so is. So much running. I love that movie. I think it's freaking fantastic. And Wow, it has been 10 years, and we are going to reappraise one of the cursed movies of 2013. Ooh. <sighs> Get your trigger figure ready. It's Lone Ranger time. Hey, Ooh. boy, can I not wait to... Oh, goodness. Our job sucks sometimes. I, I'm going to rewatch because yeah. I have complicated feelings. Indeed. I've never watched it, so I'm looking forward to a train wreck. Yeah. Um, but... Mm. If all of that interests you, then 30 years ago, did you catch the SNL episode from 17 years before that? What? Because they made a game out of it. What? What? Oh, we'll talk. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then we have, we, we have that. Yes, we have that coming up on uh, uh, Jesus, don't we? Hopefully uh, for 80s in depth. Mm -hmm. Tie along mm. with that. And uh, Steve Cinema Arcade, I can't wait to torture him with just knowing that he's playing that awful fucking game. 
Uh, <laughs> and anyway, with that out of the way, and all of you, you definitely went and gave us five bucks at patreon.com slash laser time. We do appreciate you. Diana, who died during this week? And there should be a big one for you in here that I'm. Oh, there is a huge one for me in here. But yeah. let's start with in 1993. We lost Gigi Allen, who was 36. Oh, boy. Fuck you way too much heroin. Oh, it's I, kind of I don't amazing know. you made what, it to 36. Even then, like, as. Gigi Allen had a, his documentary hated was one of the first like bootlegs that traveled around my friend circuit before we could like rent or buy movies on our own. Cause it was just so unfucking believable. It, He's a guy, if they made a movie about him, it, none of it seems like it is accurate. Let's yes. start with, he was born with the name Jesus Christ Allen. Yeah. He lived in a log cabin with religious fanatics and no running water. His father routinely dug graves for him and his family to threaten them. And, Lo and yeah. behold, becomes the most shocking musical artist, including pooping on his own audience and beating them up and punching mm -hmm. ladies. It's just someone like, am I glad he's dead? Despite being it's like, are you feral? <laughs> yes. Like, were you raised by wolves, maybe, and decided to do punk rock? Okay, yeah, hated as as oh my god, a documentary. Ooh. It's wow, I think it's yeah. On there's no one quite like him, and that's honestly, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that someone did that, and then a let's man, not ever do that. A again. man who constantly threatened to kill himself live on stage, a la Daffy Duck, and was only thwarted by being imprisoned <laughs> numerous times. Yeah. There was a lot of cutting himself on stage. There was throwing up on people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the good stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. After he, uh, he OD'd, uh, I think his friend Johnny Puke uh, took Polaroids with his dead body, not realizing he was totally dead. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it's a fun scene. Real good people. Anyway, uh, also in 1993, we lost uh, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame catcher Roy Campanella. He was 71. I hope just these mention of two people, they're getting some buddy cop movie together. Just why? I would, why? Poor amazing. Roy oh, having to hang out God. with Gigi Allen. Uh, all right. And then 2003, here's the one that hurt me real bad. My go. favorite person I think that ever lived, Catherine Hepburn. Really? I really hope she'd make it to 100. She made it to 96. Mm, Seriously, just my good run. amazing run. Probably my favorite person. Just, just period. Just my favorite person. Fascinating person. Strange, interesting, ahead of her time. An amazing actress. Awesome all around. Love it. Yeah. Love her. Love everything about her. And she dies the same week as one of the people I hated just the most. And I am not alone in this. Literally generations of people were fed up with Strom Thurmond, who made it to 100. Mm. He had only retired from the Senate a yeah. couple months ago. What he had been there almost 50 years. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I have a couple of favorite The Onion uh, articles on Strom Thurmond. Uh, <sighs> one of them is Strom Thurmond drafts bill prohibiting telegraph porn. <laughs> <laughs> but my all-time favorite is casual one-nighter gives strom thurman change of heart on gay issue <laughs> <laughs> and uh part of it uh he would not have made me breakfast if all he cared about was sex thurman said stan saw me as more than just a piece of meat we didn't have sex we made love <laughs> Just wonderful. Uh, yeah, no, Strong Thurman was uh, basically the last Confederate soldier. <laughs> he, boy, did he just not really like black people or gay people or anyone who mm -hmm. wasn't as white and Christian as him. Um, oh, he, he left his uh, black mistress who he had a child out of wedlock with. 
when she was 16 and he was 22. Great she was a servant at his parents' house. That is some Confederate shit. Yep. But yes, he had a secret mixed race daughter that whole time that came out like the day after he died. Yeah. So, yeah, they say only the good die young and Strom Thurmond died at 100. I'll just mm. leave it at that. And God, then... he was a Japan. And then, last but not least, in 2013, we lost Richard Matheson, who is 87. Mm. That guy wrote everything. I forgot Trilogy of Terror is all him. Yeah. Nightmare at 20,000 feet. Uh, I Am Legend. I Am Legend. Great yeah. book, uh, by the way. If no one's ever read it, it's better than every cinematic adaptation uh, it's awesome. And he made some 100%. of the best Twilight Zone episodes of all time. Yeah. And he just, he's one of those just ridiculously prolific people. And so his batting average is so high. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's so many wonderful, wonderful short stories. A ton of them have been turned into movies. I forgot Real Steel is literally based on his stuff. What Dreams May Come, uh, Somewhere in Time, which is charming as hell. Yeah. Rich yeah. Masson, cool dude. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so with that out of the way, what do we got, JR? It's time for the b -b birthday quiz. So this is a rare birthday born 30 years ago. Oh. Yeah. She's not Natasha Leone. I've established that. She's in Dennis the Minutes. Born June 26, 1993 in Boca Raton, Florida. Ooh. Uh, when her parents were Florida Panther season ticket holders, uh, she sustained minor bruises two times while hit by two separate hockey, hockey pucks. pucks. I was trying to impress you knowing that it was a hockey team. Got to watch them play. Uh, uh, she was also the first child to ever ride a Zamboni in their brand new arena during the intermission, uh, which her parents uh, won at an auction. Huh. Neat. Is this a Although, member of the Mickey Mouse Club? No, no, it's too, too young. No. Too young. Uh, although primarily known as a singer, she has appeared in the following films. Underdogs, 2016. Zoolander 2, 2016, and Don't Look Up 2021. Oh, oh god damn it. Shit. Oh god damn it. Demi Lovato? Nope. Damn. That's like the youngest person I know. Nicki Minaj? <laughs> I you do know her. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Uh she was the first solo artist to hold the top three spots on the Hot 100 simultaneously Damn. and the first woman to succeed herself at the top of the UK singles chart. Wow. Singles were Thank You Next, Seven Rings, Break oh, Up Ariana Your Girlfriend. Grande. Correct. Oh. Eh. That's what I was thinking with the Nicki Minaj. The ponytail threw me off. And I just... uh, yeah. Yes. Wow. She's been hit by hockey pucks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring it. Bring on the water bottles, uh, audience attendees. She can take it. She can take it. I want to ride a Zamboni with Ariana Grande. That sounds fun. Yeah, that does sound fun. Yeah. Um, good on you, Ariana Grande. 30, 30 years old. Jesus. Thirty, 30 years old. So old. Oh my God. That's She's a, a baby. It's illegal for me to know this much about her, given my <laughs> age. Well, that about wraps up the show. Um, gonna give Diana her, uh, basically her birthday pick. 
on the song here. It, it was tough because it's like, like Catherine Hepburn was a star for like 70 years. So are there any songs about Catherine Hepburn? I mean, she didn't sing like Audrey Hepburn did. And no, they're not related. So I can't do Moon River kind of thing. So I had to go with Sparks. Uh, what would Catherine Hepburn say? Because it's a really fun song. Hell yeah. it's something and that's... it kind of fits in with our theme of like with Sleepless in Seattle of like, I want to be romance like the movies, but not really. But yes, but no. Perfect. I, uh, I think that's fantastic. And uh, it helps us celebrate Sparks, which is like a band that has been happening in the background that I never knew like almost anything about until Edgar Wright made me. And uh, mm-hmm. why not? Why not? Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next week. <laughs>